We good? Yeah, it's uh, it's actually live right now. Oh, it's been recording this whole time. Nice. Yeah, uh, I just turned it on when the uh, I turned everyone to tell their uh, ringers off. Good shit. Yeah. Well, we're here with Sean Brophy. Who Hello. are you? Yeah, <laughs> that wasn't much of an intro. But like, yeah, we got Sean Brophy on the podcast today. It's Never exciting. much of an intro. It is exciting. It's been a. I don't yeah. know why. So many people have been asking when uh, we were getting this guy on here as they saw our list. I'm excited for this one. Yeah. So who, who are you, Sean? Like, give us a little bit of who are I? Well, first, because we'll get into it when we yeah. get going here. But right now, I'm um, uh, well, my dad first and foremost. Uh, I'm 43. I got two kids here in the Antigonish area, mm-hmm. um, and, a, and a lovely wife. Uh, I'm a tattooer, and as of the last few months as well, uh, recently a on-air personality on uh, 101.5 The Hawk, local radio station. Cool. Uh, retired Sunday. paramedic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. Been living in Antigonish for a couple of decades now. Yeah. Where are you from originally? Uh, Picto County originally. Picto? Yeah. Okay, so Stella you're from the area. Born and raised in my dad's, my dad's family, born <coughs> and raised there as well. Cool. So you saw most of your family around here then, right? Yeah. Yeah, actually, my, well, I'm, my wife is from Port Hawkesbury, and I'm from Picto County, so Antigonish kind of just lies right smack in the middle. Mm-hmm. So Perfect. it's convenient in that way. Happy yeah. medium. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Awesome. So, I mean, I mean, right before we went live here on this... Uh, we were talking about like our setup here in podcasting versus like what Sean uses up. He, uh, like you said, he's a radio personality. So he was talking about the different technology or him and Dev were getting into the different <laughs> technologies that, uh, that they have. So yeah, I they're mean, killing us. Yeah. Well, it's been, you know, at the radio station, like you, you know, myself, I'm pretty new to it. And, and, uh, in the last few months just had it all thrown at me. Um, but yeah, it's a really neat setup in terms of how, how, how on air actually works for a radio station. Um, like if you want me to get into it, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, um, what's, so it, what's it like being a, a radio host? Like? Um, it's busy. Um, myself, I do weekends, so Saturdays and Sundays, I'm the only person in the radio station. Oh wow! So I do uh, the newscast, the sportscast, the You're weather, running, running um, all of the on air, you know, all the music and that sort of thing. I run wow. all the social media and stuff, so it's really busy. There's a lot of moving parts. Yeah, you're for it to function as a radio station. You were but, talking about how you have like three monitors in front of you. Yeah. Going, so yeah, sitting at the radio station, you're are on the, in the on air. Uh, booth it's a like a soundproof room um and a really neat sort of desk that looks like a cockpit kind of thing um you've got three computers around you three separate mice three separate keyboards and and uh there's completely separate computers all completely unattached yeah and you have to function they all they're all running different things for you and you need access to them um at any given time right yeah so they've got the the monitors suspended on these cool arms kind of like the microphones are suspended in front of you and that sort of thing and uh, we've got like a, I think it's a 12 or 16 channel uh, mixing board sitting in front of you, which everything is connected to. So that's your on air. That's how it's functioning is, is whatever the sliders are up, whatever's turned on, whatever you've, you've uh, turned the volume up on is what's yeah. playing on the air. So oh, to speak. Okay. Really cool. um, same sort of thing as a DJ would use or, or, or you know, whatever. So whoever's doing mm-hmm. music production. This one is geared specifically for radio, I think, though. The way everything interacts with it, yeah. Um, like the telephones are all interconnected and that sort of thing. So um, wow. yeah, and so the individual computers, one of them is running a news program. So all the information that I use for my sportscast and my newscast and my um, and my weather I is all being really fed cool. to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like a live thread almost. Yeah, and I believe that most journalists or people in whatever function, whatever whatever media have you. Um, 
are, are being fed the same information, at least yeah. in Atlantic Canada, anyway. Okay. Um, like I said, I'm super new to it, so... Yeah, so how, uh, how did you get into this? Because yeah. I know, like, <laughs> last, so last year... Okay, yeah. so I've been a tattooer now for almost a decade, and, and uh, it's yeah, just, and radio is part of my life, it always has been. Um, I wake up in the morning, I take the dogs out, and I turn the radio on in the kitchen. That's mm. just the way my life functions. Yeah. Um, I love music. I always have music playing, like when I tattoo and that sort of thing. Yeah, but, when we get going. But specifically, the local radio. Um, like, I choose not to have cable in my life. I don't have cable or satellite dish or anything like that. In oh, the house. So, okay. So I don't watch the news. I don't watch television or that sort of thing. <laughs> so my local radio is like my tie to, okay, what's happening in the world today? Yeah. So I get up in the morning, I turn the radio on. And uh, they were calling for a weekend announcer they were huh. like on the air saying they were looking to fill yeah. this job wow because um, i remember when <coughs> like last time you were tattooing me um you were saying like you were looking to get into some type of podcast or if you were looking to get into some kind of radio style. yeah so there's the motivation really like i've always wanted to be in radio i've yeah. always like aspired to have some sort of a voice of a job like that some sort of a voice in hmm. the public i have several friends who've been in radio and uh, it's just always been a humongous part of my life. Like since, you know, long before you guys were born, you know, sitting and listening to the radio and trying to record on cassette, you know, the song that you <laughs> wow. love. Like you got to yeah. wait until the song starts and press record at just the right time so you don't get the radio announcer. And is that like a, is that a mixtape? Is that what that, yeah, is that what that's called? Well, a mixtape, yeah. I think, I think the premise for a mixtape is something that like you give somebody you, you, you love. Type yeah, yeah. So oh, I made, okay. I made yeah. you a mixtape. Like you make all these songs that you... That you really care about and give them to somebody that you love and that's, that's, that's just not a thing anymore but that's right? just like Sounds that's like how you have we experience with that <laughs> oh fuck yeah absolutely <laughs> got a wife and two absolutely. kids yeah yeah um so yeah that's how you know you that's how and, and back in the day that's how you captured songs that you really wanted to listen to again that's you know? crazy like, yeah like the very first time i heard pearl jam was on a on a on a tape captured from from the radio like you could hear the you know the the click and the finish as they were that's clicking awesome. on and off off the radio huh. anyway so Wow. So my passion for radio goes way back in my yeah, childhood, yeah. and they announced that they wanted a, a weekend person. So I, I, uh, I know a couple of fellas on the radio station now, um, and I messaged them, and was like, "What you know? What do you guys think of me applying for this job?" And they were like, "Dude, just do it. Just do it." They do were right all now. for Stop it. Stop talking to Absolutely. me. Nice. Put your name in the hat and see what happens. So I stewed on it for a couple of days, and then I heard them announce it again on the air, and I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna." You have to do it, yeah. Now, I haven't had a resume or applied for a job or had a boss or, you know, for all intents and purposes, had anybody to answer to for nearly a decade <laughs> in my life. So I emailed them and I said, hey, you know, what do you think about me applying for this job? I'd kind of like to see what's what. See how it goes. And they said, absolutely. Can you drum up a resume of some sort? And uh, so I did. I dra drag out a resume from, I think it was like from 2003. Wow, and uh, tried to update it. Yeah, yeah, like tried to update it and 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 you know huh. get it current. Yeah, and uh, emailed it to them. And I had uh, I think we, we spoke about it earlier about um, my microphone. I have a microphone in my studio, in my tattoo studio. So I I uh, told them that you know I got a microphone if you want me to say some shit and send it to you. Yeah. yeah so absolutely. they sent me some copy to read, and I read it, and I emailed them to it. Emailed it to them. Oh, yeah. and they said, "Well, come on in for an interview." And I went in for the interview, and they and nailed it. They yeah. hired me. So they like test your voice, I'm guessing, like see if you're. They probably just want to see how comfortable you yeah. are talking. I think yeah. typically on a after an interview, you would go in and sit in the production booth and yeah. like say some stuff and uh, see how you say and they judge it. But yeah. they got the, the opportunity to do that before the interview, so hmm. they they pretty much hired me. I think within the next day or so, they emailed me and said they'd hire me. That's cool. So it started with me following another guy on the weekends and um, 
you know, just trying to learn as much as I could, like trying to absorb it. It was super hard. Yeah. <laughs> like trying to trying to absorb anything, but at that pace and that volume, like it was sounds like a difficult big system. system. Yeah, a lot For of a forty three year old <laughs> pothead. <laughs> um, That's funny. yeah. So I mean, trans- like you said, like thoughts on what's going on right now. Yeah. Thoughts on what's going on right now. Like thoughts. Um, I mean, I I feel like you have a some opinions to share here mm-hmm. for sure yeah okay so uh, another another part of my life um, I, uh, I'm a retired paramedic in 2009 I left paramedicine um, uh, for good permanently with, mm-hmm. with post-traumatic stress disorder wow. and um, I'd been a paramedic for 13 years so I'd, I'd, you know, I'd accumulated a fair number of I mean you have a pretty of, um, pretty crazy history of work i mean you were a lot of stuff yeah paramedic uh retired search and rescue team captain a former race car driver i've done i've done a lot of stuff what's the order of that yeah like kind of where what's the the timeline like (laughs) i just did as much stuff as i could as 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 often as i could for my whole life that's cool trying to keep busy yeah um i mean the race car driving was was a a brief stint for one season of racing here at riverside speedway you have no idea how many people want to know how the race car thing fits in with your life. Like where, <laughs> at what point when we, okay, well, today. I don't want to skip around too much. So let's go back to pot for a second. And yeah. We'll okay. To, sorry. Yeah. So let's go back. Yeah. Um, so I left, I left paramedicine for, um, for good in 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll try and paraphrase as much as possible, but basically found that, uh, after much therapy and like, you know, meeting after meeting with doctors and that sort of thing that, um, you know, traditional, traditional medicine, like, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, um, antidepressants and that sort of mm. thing, they just weren't working for me. So I started yeah. to use marijuana medicinally. Um, uh, I don't have a prescription. I never have had a prescription, mostly because I just don't want the government knowing my business. Fair you know enough. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. fair. Um, but I use it medicinally, and I have since 2009, or since maybe 2010 or so, once I, I realized that that was the, the most functional um therapeutic mm-hmm. way I could That's go. what worked best for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's all that worked for me. Uh, you know, when I when I initially well, left and they started firing all these prescriptions at me, you know, take this to make you feel better and take that to make you feel better. And, you know, it was this to wake up in the morning and that to go to sleep. And, mm-hmm. you know, I just felt like a zombie. You know? yeah, and and I think absolutely. that's what they do. That You know, the idea is to numb you from these, yeah. these feelings. emotions that you're having to numb you and, and, and to make it go away. But really, I needed to, like, tackle them. Like, yeah. you know, face them in some functional one way like, productive manner and, and, and deal with them and move on which you know took years to do and we could probably have three podcasts about that no, part of my life journey. alone yeah um but yeah so bottom line as i started to use marijuana um illegally but medicinally for me yeah i use it um 100 of my my daily life you know um, when I'm tattooing, I don't use it when I'm on the radio. I yeah. didn't use it while I was training on the radio, which which was a new thing for me as well. Hmm. But um, I mean, but with the legalization coming in on October seventeenth, with uh, with this Canada wide legalization of marijuana, it's funny because I, I unapologetically lived my life as who I was. I I, I uh, lived the way I lived, and I smoked when I wanted, and mm-hmm. used cannabis in um, in any way I chose to use it. And then after the legalization, I feel like now I'm I'm almost more paranoid now, um, mm. because of the crackdown on uh, use while driving and, and yeah. uh, this um, uh, it, it, the sense of you know the need to transport it legally 
you know, it has to be in a sealed container, mm. you know, in these little, yeah. like us here in Nova Scotia, for and the listening audience, like when we leave, we would purchase legally at the, at the Nova Scotia Liquor Commission, yeah. we leave in a brown paper bag with a sticker sealing it, yeah. and then the, 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 the cannabis inside of it is in a container that again is sealed with a little tab, much like you'd have on a liquor bottle mm-hmm. yeah. uh, from the government, and you know, if you get pulled over on the way home, for whatever reason, I suspect you've, you've been using cannabis. Um, they're going to charge you, not charge you. They're going to test you to see if you're impaired. Mm-hmm. And if you have any of those containers that are not sealed or cannabis in any other way, from what I understand it, oh, it's like open alcohol. You can't, you know, like, yes, we're legal to use it, but in our homes only, and you yeah. can't transport it legally from one place to the other unless it's just in these little containers in the brown paper bags from the liquor store. Like, I, I've read a lot of the laws. I can't say that I've read, you know, have concise knowledge of mm-hmm. all these these new laws. But, but from the information that you've gathered. But from what I've gathered, it's, you know, it's it's a bit difficult. And now it's, you know, they're trying to catch people doing this. Yeah, there's, there's more know, attention on it. There's an know. effort to generate yeah, yeah. funds from these fines because they've lost so much income, so much revenue from the other fines because cannabis is now legal, you know? So, so mm-hmm. with so. these, like, kind of crackdowns and the changes that they're making to catch people, like... What, does that change like your daily lifestyle? Does that change like how you used to eat? It makes or? me very, very careful about how I transport cannabis now. Mm-hmm. It makes me very. Uh, or sorry, does it does it change um, the like you were saying before? You use it free freely. Does it? Change, I do. Does that, yeah, like, I does use the it. Feeling behind that. Does I that use change? it to combat anxiety, and when I'm anxious, I use it. So I use it before I drive. I use it before I tattoo. I use it, you know, before I. Kiss my kids good bed, good night every night. You know, like I, yeah. I use it all the time when I'm anxious, when I'm uh, when I'm having troubles dealing with whatever it is I'm dealing with. I, I use it to calm that. I I'd, I describe it as uh, it's like a bee's nest in my head. You know, mm. and uh, beekeepers when they when they got to go get the honey out of the bee's nest, they smoke. Mm. They have they have smoke, just natural wood smoke, and they pump it into the nest, and it calms the bees down. Mm. So when I smoke, it calms the bees' nest in my head. I like so that yeah. analogy. When, yeah. Whenever yeah, you've used that before, right? whenever calm, the bee, yeah, the I, I may yeah. have said it before. I Absolutely. use it probably calm the nest. every couple of days. But when the bees are buzzing, I have a little puff, and things yeah. quiet down. I can focus on what's in front of me. And now there's yeah. kind of anxiety around that because and, of, and now there's anxiety yeah. around specifically for me. I still live my life, and, and, of and I am who I am. But yeah. specifically around, around using my vehicle. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, that's where it gets thing, scary, right? Yeah. Because yeah. now there's that impairment when it's in your system. Yeah, and you're saying, yeah. and like, how long does it stay? In that's there? the yeah, thing. Devin and I were talking yeah. about that a little bit. Like, you know, these numbers that they've generated, the the, the, the quote unquote legal limit of, of the the amount of THC you can have in your blood is is an unreasonable amount. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like my usage for, with, with cannabis, if I stopped using for three or four days and drove three or four days in the future. And got pulled over. Then I feel like my THC levels would still be still get in a level yeah. that they would still be deem impaired to drive. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's unreasonable. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's weird too because it's uh, like those laws affect people that like like yourself who can completely function and, and it's used to just like you said yeah. calm the nest. I'm in no way impaired to drive. And that's what mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. I'm not gonna make some claim like I drive better when I'm stoned. You know what I mean? But I, but I I'm in no way impaired. You know? Yeah. Now if I have a beer or two. Damn right, my reflexes are impaired and mm-hmm. I cannot drive. Yeah, but I could smoke all day and. But that's get, not get for everyone. Truck and drive that, home. And that's it's not true. For everyone. You're 100 percent right. That's not for everyone. That's not that. That's true. There are certainly circumstances where somebody who doesn't smoke uses a little bit of cannabis and, and can barely they, oh, walk. Yeah, yeah let alone, absolutely. You know, let alone drive a. And that's where I was getting at. Where there's that challenge where we're trying to. I think there needs to be 
I mean, how do you do it? Accommodate those that are well, able to complete. Well, they need to measure impairment. Yeah. Yes, impairment needs to yeah. be the true measure behind, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. using. But 100%. Yeah. And I don't know how they do that. I have no insight into it. I just exactly. know they got to yeah. figure that shit out. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's going to lie in the hands of some, you know, poor souls getting charged yeah. and having these, um, you know, the, the language and these laws challenged and yeah. uh, battling it out in court. And it's be precedence. It might take a few years to make some, you know, set some precedents, like you say, Devin, and, yeah. and uh, make some changes, hopefully. But um, it's going to be interesting. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. It's it's a. Uh, I know it's it's new playing ground uh, or a new a new uh, a new playing field. New territory. New territory for yeah. sure. There's uh there's lots to be sorted. I know a lot of people are up in arms about it, and and a lot of people are worried about it, and that's sort of thing. Like I said, I have some anxiety too about it, but really, it's still just functioning the way I used to. Yeah. With a little bit more sense of how I drive and where. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And more, more careful. Yeah, yeah. A little bit more careful. Yeah. I'm Which curious. I guess is good anyway. Yeah. I'm curious. You said like you've dealt with PTSD a bit. Have you looked yeah. into uh, MDMA treatment at all? That's a big thing right now. By looked finding... into, um, I'm curious about it. Yeah, I have <clears throat> used MDMA mm-hmm. over the years. Yeah. I think there definitely is some, some definitely you know like could some, see something there. Some good to be had from that. I mm-hmm. hope there are people currently researching that i, I think, think there are, are. yeah yeah um i listen yeah. to a lot of podcasts uh, one of them is joe rogan and joe rogan's a big proponent of mm-hmm. uh, yeah. psychedelics use for for ptsd and among other things too but. oh absolutely. so for those yeah. that don't know um yeah you want to kind of go a little bit deeper into what exactly they're using it for or how they're researching it or what's the, the way i understand it is they're treating ptsd mostly in soldiers by giving them controlled doses of mdma yeah, and microdoses, then, I think. I, yeah, it's it's nothing crazy. No. But they just, it allows them, it's in a structured setting where mm-hmm. they're with someone who walks them through the trip and they help them come to terms with the bad memories or the bad oh, thoughts wow. that are um, causing the PTSD. Mm. And it's, it's pretty interesting. Mm. They just, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't speak to how much fun that would be. Mm. <laughs> I think that'd be a trial. I think MDMA yeah. used as a microdose just to generally improve your mood throughout the day might be good, but using it therapeutically kind of scares the shit out of me. Yeah, oh god, um, I can going on a trip and then wanting to talk about you know what you demons that visit you. Like, yeah. why would you? Why, <laughs> why would you? Why would you want to feed that um, part of your brain that, to someone else? Uh, apparently, that's yeah. what the MDMA is. It it it. How do I put this? It makes it seem like, or it lowers the power of those demons, mm-hmm. so there you can manage it. Like that's instead of just doing it sober with a therapist, and you're going through these difficult thoughts, and all these demons are coming. They're less, I guess, the right way to put it is they're less demon-like. Yeah, that's so fair. they're they're manageable. Less and aggressive that's, or less yeah, heavy. That's I, I guess more manageable. Okay, like that's they fair. they're less de- like you can. You can come to terms with it, and that's kind of where the MDMA comes in. It allows you to. That's that's how I understand. I've never, like, I can't. I think there's speak definitely from personal a, experience. Wh- whatever they're researching there. I think there's definitely a future for that. I hope they carry on with it. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like there's a whole slew of things that can can be done with cannabis, whether it's THC or CBD as mm-hmm. well. And I hope that big pharma gets on board with this and decides yeah. that 
all the shit that they're pumping out. To I don't people. think they will. They'll, maybe <laughs> there's more money in CB. You know, I don't. They probably won't either. Somebody will. Maybe not. No. Yeah. Maybe not. I think. I, yeah. Know, big, big pharma's. Pharma, but... Yeah. It's because you can't. Uh, you can't patent it. It's true. That's why big pharma's. So they could do all that work, and then somebody else could just come yeah do exactly the same stuff with mm-hmm. all their research. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like capital economy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can't be ours. Not worth investing yeah. money into. Yeah. But it's yeah the research is happening now, yeah. which is which is very cool. All this legalization. I love that uh, PTSD is such a it's such a it's at the forefront of discussion worldwide now, mm-hmm. and cannabis being legalized and it being such a huge. Um, um, tool to be used, yeah. Like you say, with our veterans and uh, with our uh, first responders and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. I feel like there's a big future there for for PTSD PTSD treatment. Just mental I'm health kinda, in general. Hey? I but feel like I'm on the. I don't. It'll never be behind me. Yeah. But I feel like I've dealt with it in as much as I'm going to deal with it, mm-hmm. and how I live my life now is yeah. just going to be kind of come to terms with life, it for yeah. sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll never, uh, I'll never sleep a sound night of sleep, but I've come wow. to terms with that, and I yeah. deal with it how I deal with it, and mm-hmm. and uh, you it's know, just I a part of you now. I mean, it is. It really is. You, yeah. you, 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 don't, you never, you never get to unknow the things you know. That's the thing. You know, unsee the things you see. Yeah. You just get to uh, learn to how to deal with them in a different way. How to mm-hmm. live with, you know, those demons or those. Yeah. We we uh, a lot of people that, that deal with PTSD and talk about it a lot and sort of thing say say shoeboxes in a closet you know you, every one of those little stories every one of those little yeah. things that you you had to deal with over the years ends up being a little shoebox you put in your closet mm-hmm. and um, eventually that closet's gonna fill up right yeah eventually mm-hmm. you're gonna open the door and all the boxes are gonna fall down the top they say like yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. so you don't ever get to throw out all that shit in the closet you just kind of learn it. learn to how to handle it. And uh, live with it, it all. and keep dragging it around with you in as comfortable a way as you possibly can manage. You yeah. Know? Uh, and you find marijuana helps you with that, hey? 100%. Yeah. yeah, 100%. Like I said before, it quiets the bee's nest, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it doesn't, um, it lets me function in a way that people don't understand, people don't, don't, don't notice that I'm, we- I'm, I'm smoking weed. I think most of the time, people don't notice. No. Um, and uh, and I and I can function in a way that I can just sit and be in the moment and be with the person that's in front of me, whether it's a client or a friend or a family member or whatever, and just. Well, be I think that's something calm. that I think that's something that really needs to change here with legalization. That will change with, like, as it gets older and kind of like how society deals with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, less know. taboo, I guess. Yeah, yeah, the way that they look at it, like, because there's it's so divided. There's so many people that are like, whatever, like, you know, weed. But then there's such like a large chunk that have such I think a bad taste in their mouth for it for what reason right yeah. aside from it used to be legal I think there's a lot of closet users I think so yeah those will come to light yeah. yeah a lot of people are just kind of mm-hmm. like fuck it but I'm just saying like those users that don't use have maybe only used once or twice but are very like you know this is terrible or like yeah. it's very bad like well there was a lot of propaganda against it it's true. Like a there lot of was. funny propaganda. Even for madness. It's true. Yeah. Even well, uh, it still is. Like, even the packaging in the, in the in the few products that I bought from the NSLC, like the packaging has the little white bars on it with the you know the advisory like the Surgeon General's warning type. Yeah. Thing. yeah. And those are hilarious. <laughs> like just hilarious. Like oh, honestly, like fifty percent of marijuana users uh, have 
serious social disorders. <laughs> what? Does it say mean? that? Yeah, I've had a few of them. I I, uh, I had them on my Instagram stories, but I don't have any like permanent photos of them. But oh, that's funny. <laughs> Look at it now. Yeah, that is funny. Unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's crazy that it's legal though. It is crazy. It's a little weird to see all of the, the sort of people, like I say, coming coming out of the closet and saying, yeah. "Hey, I'm I'm a user," you know. Yeah. Even just being more comfortable with it myself, mm-hmm. um, posting pictures from home on my social media. That hey, yeah, I've been using this for years, but uh, nice to not be a criminal anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I'm accepted. Not to be under the radar yeah. here. Seriously, it's funny too that you know alcohol is such. A, I'm gonna drink my beer now that I'm talking about alcohol. Molson. Yeah. It's funny that alcohol is such an accepted practice. And I honestly, like, I drink. I love beer. Beer is, like, one of the four food groups for me. But um, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a socially accepted thing, but it's the devil. Alcohol is truly the devil. It's yeah. fucking terrible for you. It's, it's literally bad, poison. Yeah. It's, it's not. It's literally poison. Yeah. It's literally poison. Yeah. Our bodies learn doses. how to function with it, like they learn how to function with all the other crap we put yeah, in it. Yeah, but exactly. It's, 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 uh, it's the devil. Yeah. But it's such a social norm. It's such mm-hmm. an accepted thing for you know decades and decades or mm-hmm. centuries even, I guess. It's, yeah. And I'm sure that's and, how and it's all cultural. You know, right? and I'm sure that's how weed will will yeah. be here in mm-hmm. a handful of decades. But the interesting thing is, weed was only like it was only made illegal in what the nineteen like fifties or something. Or I've heard Joe Rogan talk about it. I think it was that. a it was an American it was an American newspaper, uh, newspaper owner. Yeah. yeah, and it threatened his profitability because of hemp. hemp was such yeah. a viable source yeah. of fibers for paper. Yeah, that uh, I don't know if he lobbied or campaigned or whatever. Well, he owned yeah, a newspaper, so he, he just had, propagandized. That's right. Apparently. He owned a newspaper. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and he just put out all his propaganda. Propaganda, and it's funny because hemp and cannabis. Are two different plants. Yeah. So they're two different plants. I believe they're two different plants. Is that right? Or is it the male female? I don't know how it works. I'm I don't know either. Rocket surgeon. <laughs> rocket either way, surgeon. they're not the same. Plant. But I know you can produce <laughs> hemp without yeah without having any yeah. risk of having THC in it whatsoever. Yeah. So there was no reason for him to have all this propaganda against no. it. The campaign was no. in an effort to save him money. He probably owned a lumber mill or something. I think. Yeah, doing something that uh, uh, yeah. upper hand though. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, new so you want you want to talk about the race cars? Yeah, actually, that was what I was gonna say. So where does that fall in the timeline? Like, I mean, <laughs> that was before my daughter was born. It was the year my wife was pregnant with my daughter. So how old was fifteen? So that'd be two thousand and three, I guess. Okay. okay, so but was maybe this one year on the other side before you were a paramedic? Before while well, I was a paramedic. Okay, yeah. during it your was career. just it was just a casual thing at the, the Riverside Speedway. Um, <laughs> what kind of car did you drive? Yeah, I drove a Saab. Okay, I drove a Saab, a naturally aspirated Saab 900. What's a Saab? A, a Saab is a Swedish is a little, car, yeah, it's Swiss a car, Swedish car. Volvo Swiss, Swiss. I think the Saab is Swedish. Okay. They're actually bankrupt now. Oh really? I don't think you can buy a new Saab anymore. Oh shit. But I had, uh, yeah, Saab 900. Um, it was a four-cylinder. I drove in the four-cylinder class. It had a full row cage. And was like, it your car? It, well, here, so here's the story. So <laughs> I went to Riverside, which is a really cool little speedway just outside Anaganish here. Yeah. Um, I haven't been there in many, many years. 
Uh, for I, those driving in through Anaganish, you can see it from the highway. It's the one when you're coming in and out of town there. It's yeah, the red I don't white. know what exit it is, but uh, I would say 30... I'd say it's about 15 two. minutes um, past... Idea. I'd say 15 minutes past the uh, Kia dealership once you're on the highway. Probably. For sure, yeah. 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 On the left-hand side, Not if you're going 15, out. 10 minutes. Yeah. 10 minutes anyway, sorry. It's all red and white, right? Yeah, because yeah. a lot of people yeah. probably listening know exactly what we're talking I'd about. I'd say so. Continue. Yeah. Sorry, Sean. No, that's fine. No. So I went one weekend with my wife and saw the races. And at the time, they had multiple classes. They had, um, I want to say, a four-cylinder, a six-cylinder, and an eight-cylinder class, or maybe two eight-cylinder classes. So they had four-cylinder classes, which were basically mostly Honda Civics in the sort. And um, I went and I saw it, and I was like, fuck, honey, I want to do this. That's awesome. I want to race these fucking cars. I want to do this. (laughs) She was like, you're fucking crazy. <laughs> you're not doing this. Uh, I was like, I, I'm going to do this. I had a car on that track racing two weeks later. That's hilarious. <laughs> so <I'm back> <laughs> how do you get into something like that? Like, tell well, me the process. Yeah, like, so the process, I had a good friend, Bill Vazel. I'll, I'll say no way. Here, yeah, we got our signs through uh, from Lion for yeah, me. Yeah, so Bill has had his hands in many, many things over the years. One Jeez. of them is, is car racing. He used to race in... Uh, I want to say the super sport class. It was an eight-cylinder, like a legitimate, like an actual... Like the things that we were racing in the class I was in was a car that we made a race car. (laughs) And then they had another class that was a car that they stripped down and made a race car. The class that Bill raced in was a race car. You (laughs) bought a frame and you built Built the the motor and like you built the race car. It was like a legitimate, like aluminum body. absolutely. Huh. So... Bill was a paramedic at the time, and we worked together at the uh, the station here in Antigonish. And I went to the to the station. I told the guys like, I want to fucking do this. Like, I want to build a car and fucking race these. I want to do this shit. Like, let's fucking do it. <laughs> so so the guys were like, Yeah, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. So my 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 buddy uh, my buddy Bill Curry, his parents had this Saab 900 that they had been driving for I want to say a decade, a decade and a half as their family car. That's they had it for sale in the driveway. I can't remember how much it was, but. I want to think that Bill gave them at least a couple hundred dollars for it. <laughs> so, uh, so I bought that car and I bought this little tow rig that we welded tabs onto the front bumper and I could tow it with my truck. And I towed it out to Bill Vazel's house, and uh, Bill made it a race car. We no cut way. Everything out of it. So, does he, did he do it himself? Well, we all did it together. Like this was just—he's a—he's a pretty—he's a pretty knacky pretty guy. You can do do stuff, you know. So we uh, we had all this. We bought a whole bunch of pipe. And we he built the. He built the um, roll, cage. roll cage in the car after we stripped the entire interior out of it. Oh, that's that's cool. so cool. We had to uh, we had to take like the all the the glass out of it except for the windshield. Um, we had to put like a racing net in the window. We had to weld this plate along the whole driver's side Holy so that shit. it was like an impact zone. Nobody could just drive right through my my driver's door. Um, put so like a, a fire extinguisher in it. We had to like move the gas tank inside so it was like a fuel cell inside all strapped down and like, yeah, we made a race car is, little is, so is Bill off. still into that now? I don't think so because I he's got he, his shop across from McDonald's right? He's he got the sign and trophy yeah. and events I think uh, at any given time he has a lot of irons in the fire but I don't think he's doing anything with the race track anymore but I could be totally wrong okay um, I know he does some, he does all their signage and advertising I'm assuming for sure he, I see yeah. a ton of it all over but he actually after we raced uh, I'll say together although he was in a different class but mm-hmm. after that year or the few years that uh, that he was a part of it and, and the one year that I was in it um, I think he actually managed the racetrack for a while 
And then I want to say him and his ex-wife bought a racetrack down in Cape Breton somewhere, like a straight track, a quarter mile, like a, <sighs> a drag drag track. Yeah. No way. So he's he's had his hand in racing for quite a while. Yeah, that sure. is so I, I cool. Think, I, I would have never guessed. Now, I would have never guessed. He's had a lot. He's done a lot of wow. stuff. Bill's always, always busy. I mean, he's not I've, a paramedic anymore either. But I've got a, I've done a handful of transactions at his, at his shop with uh, doing promo stuff, and he's yeah. always been great to me. Salt of so, the earth, yeah. man. Yeah, always really a smile great guy. On his face, always willing to help. Yeah, yeah, Good absolutely. What's his shop name? Um, here's your sign. Yeah, you sent it to me actually. You referred me. Yeah. And, I mean, I've been going there. He also Sense. rents like special event tents and chairs and does oh, weddings, cool. and stages, and everything. Stages, and everything. Yeah. Sound systems, generators, all kinds of stuff. Because right? like when you look at the building, it's like kind of divided in two. There's like a big warehouse on the left that you think is a yeah. storefront, and then you go on the right, and it's like kind Tiny of like a hallway. Storefront. Yeah. yeah, hallway, and then he takes you to another door, and it's like this huge warehouse of all these like setups and stages and tents and chairs yeah. and. Yeah. While we're on it, he rents U-Hauls and sells trailers yeah, too. Yeah, absolutely. Go, go see him if you need some signage. Yeah, a busy guy. Absolutely. He's a busy guy for sure. Quick anyway, so plug. he was solely responsible. Now, with the guys at the ambulance station, they um, like did a little bit of fundraising. They bought a few things for me. And so that I, I think, it, honestly, it's, not a very, it's kind of anticlimactic, but the entire season, I think, cost us collectively $700. Really? Wow. Yeah. Is there a fee to get into something like that? I think I think you race for free. I could be wrong. Oh, I think really? you race oh, okay. for free. So it's just like you get um, the opportunity to get out there and yeah. race with some There was money if you won and that sort of thing. Oh, yeah. cool. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it was sort of a, a precursor to the actual racing, you know what I mean? Yep. But it was fun. I raced for most of the season. Um, it was kind of competitive. Most of the winners were Honda Civics. Um, I think actually... I think I was cheating actually because uh, <laughs> a lot of people complained that I had multi-port fuel injection I think and you had to have a fuel rail which most of the Hondas had but I was at a dis- disadvantage too because most of the Hondas had like 14 inch wheels and there was a restriction on the wheel sizes you could use and that sort of thing so I had 15 inch wheels but I was restricted to these certain sizes that I could use so I was using these massive tires um, and the car was automatic so it was tough to downshift in the corners and that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was it was a really fast car. I was competitive in uh, in a lot of the races, but uh, I would I would always get passed by a Civic or something like that. Really? I crashed a bunch too. We actually <laughs> we crashed. I crashed so bad one time that we had to take Bill's backhoe and squish the car flat again. <laughs> no so, way. <laughs> so that I could race again the next weekend. And you use the same car again? Oh yeah, I used it for the whole season, and I sold it to somebody else after that season. That's awesome. No way. I don't think it ever saw the racetrack again. But he had grand plans that never came through. But uh, yeah, I sold it as a viable race car That's after awesome. afterwards. We called it the Shiznit. <laughs> I don't know why. So how much of a thrill was that? That was a fucking huge thrill. It was also terrifying. I was Absolutely gonna, yeah, terrifying. Was yeah, and I ultimately stopped because my wife was pregnant. We were mm-hmm. going to have our second baby, and it just it it it, it gave me a, a brief but stark look at my mortality. <laughs> you know. Um, crashed a few times. I had a few a few near misses. I had um, had a couple of times where I had like the entire field, like I was in front of the pack and had the entire field, you know, barreling down at me, facing the wrong direction, stopped in the middle of the track and had the field like passing me on either side at Jeez. full speed. You know, like a couple of couple of spots where it was it was it was a bit scary for sure. So as much of a thrill as it was, it was. It was time to say goodbye after the, the brief season that I had at it. But, uh, What's full speed? Like, how fast are you getting? 
get and go. Fuck, I don't know. I don't even remember. Don't Just remember. as fast as you could possibly. <laughs> like, basically, we got in the car, and once the green flag went, you put your floor in the mat, and you kept it there and for as much as you That's could. That's fucking awesome. You're literally going as fast as you possibly can get the car to go in the straight stretch. Yeah. At the end of the straight stretch, where you're turning, you know, left as hard as you possibly can. And uh, I had videos. I think they're all on VHS or fuck. I don't even remember. Oh, where really? I had videos of me going into turns where I had... I had three three wheels on the ground, like the car, Jesus. lifting the, the front inner corner, going into the turn, and just for all you're worth, holding the wheel, oh foot buried into God. the mat, just that's holding on awesome. for dear life. It was so much fun. That's awesome. It so it's fun. just an oval track, right? It's an oval track. I can't remember. I think it's a Bristol. It's a copy. It's like a one-third copy of Bristol Motor Speedway. Don't quote me on that. What's Bristol um, Motor? Something. Bristol, it's, a, it's a popular NASCAR. NASCAR oh, okay. Um, yeah. It's on the NASCAR circuit. Yeah. Um, a popular, um, huh. like one of the original tracks, you know what I mean? So it's an exact copy, but I think it's a one-third mile. Uh, folks would be able to find that on the... Yeah. Because, the yeah, there's no way that's NASCAR size. It's definitely not NASCAR no. size. No. Yeah. I no. can see a but third. The, the banks in the turns are so hard that if you go out there like we'd go out and inspect the track and those sort of thing if you yeah. go out there and you're trying to walk across the track in the turn you're on your hands and knees it's at such a steep angle really? you, you can't stand up it's that steep holy that shit that track out there yeah it looks that steep <clears throat> in the highway it looks like a bowl it is it's, it's like a bowl you're racing around the inside of it do you feel like, like you're on an angle oh a hundred percent yeah so you're on yeah. three wheels like that's yeah, no, on three wheels with <laughs> two cars in front of you nearly touching your bumper and a car on either side of you nearly touching your doors Jeez. and 17 cars behind you ready to drive right over you if you don't make the exact right movements at the right time. You know? That's exhilarating. It's, it's 100% <laughs> exhilarating. Terrifying. Yeah. Equal parts terrifying and exhilarating. Yeah, 100% That's of the time. cool. So have you been out here your, your whole life? I, uh, I went to high school in Texas. Actually. Oh really? Really? Yeah, yeah in the nineties. My, uh, my dad was a nurse, and my dad uh, um, graduated from the Aberdeen School of Nursing in New Glasgow cool. in nineteen ninety, I want to say. And um, yes, sir. At the time, Nova Scotia nurses were so sought after all over the world, but mostly in the states that they did uh, they did these um, like hiring. Uh, fairs type of thing like job okay. fairs where they had recruiters come from all over the world and yeah. try and recruit these Nova Scotia nurses oh cool and my dad chose a job in Houston Texas so that would be awesome we moved to Houston Texas so right like Houston like right in the first year yeah right in downtown Houston wow um it was pretty crazy moving yeah, from coming from small here, town no Stellarton, Nova Scotia to downtown Houston. Wow. So we stayed there for a year and then we moved to a place called Huntsville, Texas, okay. which is about halfway between Houston and Dallas. Okay. Um, and that's more or less where we made our home. My dad ended up remarrying down there and um, um, my dad passed away, but his wife still mm. lives in that same area, very, very close to Huntsville anyway. Cool. But, uh, and you just came back up. Yeah, so I was there as a dependent on my dad's visa as long as he was as long as he was there working. I could yeah. be a student. Um, I didn't actually finish high school. I got my GED from the high school that I was going to, mm-hmm. and moved home to get a job. Basically, I'd been there for uh, basically three years, I think. No, four years. I was there for four years. Okay, almost enough time to finish high school. I left right before I should have finished. Oh, really? Um, I just I wasn't really attending. I wasn't. There's no point. I was off hanging out with my 
hanging out with my girlfriend and my buddy Matt and hanging out and smoking yeah, better pot things and drinking to do. and yeah. <laughs> doing whatever, listening to music, going to concerts. Yeah. yeah. I skipped a lot of school, so I got kind of got to the point where it was like, all right, you're not going to graduate this year no matter what you do. I was mm. already kind of behind, so I just went in and I said, it's not working for me. What can I do? They said, well, you can go into our GED program. Mm-hmm. So uh, what's, that G- was what's GED? GED, stuff I think, is graduated equivalency diploma. It's okay. like a equivalent to your getting yeah. your grade. So 12. I have my grade yeah. twelve. I just didn't finish grade twelve. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I went into the GED program, and they basically prep you for uh, I want to say like a, a test that happens every three or four months type of thing. Hmm. So I went in and I said, you know, this is my situation. I talked to the teacher there and. That program was set up for folks who were struggling to get their grade 12. I wasn't struggling by any means. So uh, he gave me some books to read and some movies to watch and said, come back on the test date. You don't have to come here. So I wasn't going to school at all for those couple of months. I went and I wrote the test. I actually, I think I got the, I got the highest score the school board had ever seen in a GED test. Wow. <laughs> really? <laughs> and you didn't like, study it at all? I didn't study it all. No. That's hilarious. And then like two, two weeks later, somebody else beat it. But whatever, it's not a competition. <laughs> yeah, no, you got it. You moved on. I was having fucking got... done with it. Oh, no honest. kidding. That's how yeah. I'm feeling getting so, getting ready here. Yeah. But yeah, so after I finished school, or after I was I was done anyway, I was no longer dependent on Dad's visa. Um, and I moved home to get a job. Mm-hmm. You've been here ever since. Been here ever since. I started in uh, I started in the valley, living with my uncle Tim actually, and then gradually worked up to Cape Breton, living with my mom again. And uh, I ended up going to paramedic school in PEI. I went to uh, Holland College, Charlottetown. How old were you when you were doing when you did that? Uh, I want to say just before twenty. I was like nineteen, twenty, okay. going yeah. to college. Yeah. Um, graduated from there, and then back to Port Hawkesbury, where my mom lived, and just trying to get a job on the ambulance after that. Yeah. And so, did you, when you were a paramedic, where were you stationed for the majority of the time? Most of the time, I did a little stint in the city. In Halifax. In Halifax, yeah. Most of the time here in the uh, in this end of the province, though. Excuse me. Pardon me. Um, I did a little bit in Guysborough County. Was there for a few years in Guysborough County. Okay. In uh, <laughs> Country Harbor, working out of the funeral home. Wow. And then in Guysborough County, working out of where the Guysborough Journal is produced now. Um, did you ever do Antigonish? Uh, I worked my last decade here in Antigonish. Wow. So did you work any homecomings? I worked a lot of homecomings, as <laughs> my friend. I dra- I've dragged many, many a drunken student. <laughs> oh man, down you've got many, to have some many, good stories. Many yeah. a stair flight. I was gonna on say that you, campus. I know that campus draw. intimately for all the wrong <laughs> reasons, sir. I was gonna say you've got to have some good homecoming stories. I'm actually not one to tell stories about when I was a paramedic. Um, that's fair. Honestly, okay, I, could, I, I don't even know that. if I could drum up a story. Yeah, that's fair. Like a one specific instance to tell you. A Nothing story comes to mind. Um, honestly, like part of part of recovering from PTSD is is you know is like putting a putting a bookend on that part of your life. Yeah, that's um, understandable. Which I'm I'd, I wish I could tell stories. <laughs> Probably have some good ones. Most of them I've filed far away and yeah, yeah and like files said, I don't access anymore. But yeah, totally. But yeah, I don't have any regrets. That's for sure. You know, Anaganish is a great place. Mm-hmm. I uh, had a lot of good times here sure a lot of bad times too you know it's, it's unfortunate you know if we, if we want to get into homecoming and the like um there's a lot of bad things that happen on that campus that don't get talked about that don't get dealt with you know what do you but, mean um, do you have any i want to say like don't want to say like 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 date rape Mm. I want to say, um, like, I don't want to get into it. Really. I mean, <laughs> but, uh, there's, there's a lot of controversy. There is a lot of talk right now. Sure. Yeah, I, mean, I, I certainly don't feel like I'm qualified to talk about it. 
but mm. there's a lot of sad situations um, over the years that the people that I picked up coming out of that campus that yeah. were beyond uh, drunk. Like, being a paramedic, you just see the worst of it all. Hey? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you, you show up on a scene as a paramedic, it's somebody's worst fucking day ever. Yeah, literally. You know, every single time. Pretty yeah, long, that's I hard. feel bad too because, I mean, I mean, speaking on what you just said about, like, talking about the situation where you just said, like, you know, I don't feel educated enough to talk about it. I feel like everyone is in that situation where, mm-hmm. like, it needs to be talked about, but no one really has enough of a understanding of well no one well i think first of all we're starting to talk about the fact that it's happening it's unfortunate that it's happening but we're talking about the fact that it's happening Mm -hmm. but situation like i mean it's been a decade since i was a paramedic but back then if you brought somebody in who you suspected had been drugged which happened literally every weekend multiple Uh, times i I believe that yeah if you bring somebody into the emergency department and you say like this person you know yeah she's been drinking yeah she's inebriated on alcohol but she's also somebody slipped her something because her friends don't understand she said you know they, they say she only had four drinks you know mm-hmm. yeah she's only been partying for an hour and all now something all doesn't add up yeah the trouble is that the er staff doesn't have any way to, to deal with that the lab in the local hospital doesn't have any way to deal with that let's oh, say shit. Uh, let's say you suspect that this person has been given rohypnol or you know ghb or some other date rape drug mm-hmm They've got to take that sample and send it away to some other lab. It takes two, three weeks before they get the test results back. I mean, I don't know. I'm not again. I'm not a, not a rocket surgeon, but that that stuff takes time, and somebody has to take the initiative to make the test. Mm-hmm. It so it just doesn't get it. doesn't get done, and it doesn't get talked about. She's yeah. just some drunk girl from Saint Saint Effects who woke yeah. up in the morning and didn't remember what happened, and she goes on about her life, and you know, let's yeah. hope to God nothing bad happened to her. Yeah. you know what I mean. It's unfortunate, and those instances happen. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not even necessarily talking about, you know, the, the sexual assaults and things like that that happen on a, on a conscious person. But, uh, you know, the things that, that cause unfortunately, as a paramedic, you don't get to see those sorts of things. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, they get dealt with in their own way. Let's hope, anyway. Mm-hmm. But the things that you see as a paramedic are, you know, the unresponsive person on, on the floor in her dorm room who her friends can't figure out why the fuck she won't wake up. Jesus, you know, they've all yeah. been drinking the same amount of time, but you know, or whatever. Like the, yeah. You know, I don't have any specific instances. I just have these dozens and dozens of foggy memories. Of and it goes back to just like everyone not having all the information. Hundred percent. It you doesn't know? get talked about. This the, the the school doesn't want it to be talked about. And that's mm-hmm. because, and I think that's why a lot of us can't because we just don't have the full story. No one really no. has the no. whole kind of layout of what happened in these and, situations and it's between a handful of people usually that, like one person knows what actually happened yeah and the trouble too. is that you know okay let's pick this one saturday night on this one week and this one instance where this one girl had something slipped to her by one person mm-hmm. that story gets lost amid all the other hundreds of students that that got drunk yeah. and went out that night and somebody had to handle i don't want to say hundreds but you know dozens mm. of students yeah hundreds get drunk on a saturday night Most, surely for sure yeah and rightly so. Yeah, absolutely. They have the right to do that. Mm-hmm. I get drunk on Saturday nights myself. Mm-hmm. But you have these instances where uh, what's the motivation? Somebody sees the opportunity to slip a pill in somebody's drink and that's with, what I with don't the chance get, like, of maybe oh dragging her fucking lifeless like, yeah. body home with them later that night. Like, it's what? fucked up. That's just it. It's like you don't even know who you're dealing with. <clears throat> like, yeah. You know? Like, yeah, yeah I, c- I can... And that's just the one thing that, I, that, that, you know, whatever popped into my memory, you yeah. know, there's all kinds of things that happen in town when you're servicing a, a population of, you know, five or six or seven thousand people mm-hmm. as a paramedic. But, but those are the things that you, you know, that you stick with over the years that, like, I have a 15 year old daughter now who yeah. wants to go to St. Evex when she graduates in yeah. a couple of years. 
And that terrifies me. Mm. Terrifies me. Really? Why? Because of the things I've seen on that campus. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, I know a lot of students. Mm -hmm. They're all great people. I don't know a single bad one. I tattoo dozens of students. Yeah. They're great people. But there's how many of you on campus? Five, six, seven thousand. And it's the one percent that you're. It's the. It only takes one guy. Yeah. Or one girl. Or whoever it is. It only takes one person out there doing these bad things. And surely in that bigger population there's more than one person but, but and I think I'm, but it's I'm, enough to terrify me with the idea of my, my daughter being you know in a, in a dorm room up there everywhere though I was just thing. that's where I was yeah. just about to say you know it's unfortunate that it's, it's not just saying FX I mean that happens everywhere no, 100% you know? and let's make that clear for sure yeah, yeah. it's not just this is the FX. environment we're, we're in and so this is what we're talking that's, about that's yeah. the university exactly. college lifestyle mm-hmm. party like that's yeah. like the horror stories that and you get a bunch on. of 19 yeah. to 25 year olds together yeah, just living together for four years, you're gonna yeah. get some fucked up shit happening. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and you know, I, I feel like some of that has come to the forefront now. I feel like a lot of people are holding Sanofax accountable for the way they handle things. And yes, I think some changes are being made there, mm-hmm. which is good. You know, mm-hmm. um, it's not like the paramedics or the police can go to the social media and say, "Hey, this happened last night." You know, can you can they, you technically like not there's no non disclosure type no, thing there? Absolutely yeah, no. Yeah. That's absolutely a. Uh, uh, confidentiality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, Patient confidentiality. Yeah, you can't uh, <clears throat> you can't disclose any of that information. You can't even you know if somebody from the media contacted you as a paramedic and said, "Hey, did this happen that that night?" It's it's not my business. There's a hmm. PR person in the company to, to deal with that if that's the case. You know what I mean? But I mean, like so as a paramedic, when you see the situation, I mean, you're first one in there. Like when you go to the hospital, do you do they take your like of what happened, like what you saw. Oh like, yeah, absolutely. When like you, I mean, when you when you give your little story, your little your little story about the patient to the nurses and the doctor that's that's accepting the patient from you in the emergency room, you you tell them that, that this is what I've witnessed, this mm-hmm. is what I can tell you, this is what I know, and this is what I suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have obviously a job to do and things that they need to go through as well. But somewhere there's a disconnect. Somewhere, somewhere the information doesn't go any further. You know? yeah. And I'm not certainly not blaming anyone in ER or any of those that staff. It's it's the system and how it functions. I was about to say it's the process in this of particular, how it all yeah, works. Mm-hmm. It's the system and how it functions. And nobody I don't think wants to admit that, that our that our little girls are being drugged by creeps. Nobody wants to know that. Well I think nobody a lot nobody wants of... to admit it. So nobody wants to fucking deal with it, that's for sure. You know? Well I think too I, that's I mean, heartbreaking to deal with. It's yeah. it's tragic, but it's the reality of the world we live in. And in this beautiful little town that we find ourselves, it's unfortunate that it's the reality that has found its way here as well. Yeah. Um, I would like to think that things are a little different than 10 years ago when I was a medic, mm-hmm. but uh, it's still happening. It's oh, still happening. You know, no our that. beloved Bill fucking Cosby has gone to jail. Yeah, right? what the hell, hey? So, you know, like... Yeah, uh, closet, right? That's the, the, world is a, the world is a scary place if you let it be best to that's the thing try and spread love that's as much just as it. You if you let it as much be. as you can yeah. if you let, if you it, let it, be, it affect sure. you yeah mm-hmm. absolutely man yeah there's evil everywhere that is that is evil all that shit 100% evil yeah as evil as it gets as the as again as the dad of a daughter yeah like, there's nothing more sacred to me than 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 the innocence mm-hmm. of my little girl yeah you know what I mean in yeah. the entire fucking world and if you think about it like that, every single woman in the world is somebody's little girl. Yeah. So like it's it's a pretty sacred fucking thing to hold on to. It's a mm-hmm. pretty pretty sacred thing to protect. And the idea that there's other people out there that 
not only don't find that sacred, but also want to, in some way, harm mm-hmm. women. Like, that's mm, my yeah, blood. I, I really want to get that the ex, some people from that X resist on this podcast. See what they're up to. See what they yeah. think. Yeah. I mean, it'd be, I think it's worth a conversation. I, yeah. yeah, that's the thing, right? From the feedback that conversation we've seen on analytics. If you want to, I don't know, like, I don't, I don't want to speak out of turn here, but mm-hmm. do you know Chris Frazier? Chris Frazier is a professor, I believe, on campus. I'm I not. I say, no. I don't want to speak out of turn, but I believe Chris Frazier is a transgender professor on I campus. I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I uh, just recently became friends with, uh, fuck, I'll say him. And I apologize if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. They. Would they, that be the proper? They. Uh, yeah. Okay. okay. I, I just became friends with them yeah. on Facebook, and I follow him, and he's very much involved in the um, current political mm-hmm. state of yeah. the campus. He's kind of part of that extra thing, I believe so. Right? Yeah. yeah. I believe so. I mm-hmm. think he would have a lot to say. I think he'd be a great guest to have on yeah. the podcast. That's just off the, pop, the top of my head. Okay. Chris um, Frazier? Yeah. I want to say yeah, right, it has a Z there. in it. You got it? No, but you're right. That's okay, yeah. I'm sorry. But, okay. Phrase, phrase. Yeah, it was definitely. Yeah. I'll write that down. Yeah, I'll help you out with better information after the podcast. If you yeah, want on that. no problem. But, uh, I believe that you would have some pretty hot topics to discuss there in terms of the mm-hmm. state if you wanted to talk about St. X specifically. Yeah. And, um,. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. The, the activities that are going on there to try mm-hmm. and bring to attention and you know change the way the, yeah. the policies that that Saint affects and how they how they deal with uh, sexual assaults and that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, just be interesting to get it right from the. I feel like Saint well. has a really healthy LGBTQ plus community. I think so. I really feel like it's a really functional. I've this, only had this, brief this. interactions with it, mm-hmm. but. Uh, I feel like it's, a, <clears throat> I want to say, thriving community there, and I yeah. feel like they, they're doing really well. I don't know if necessarily the way the faculty functions with it is where they want it, but I feel mm-hmm. like the, the discussions being had, like the, the dialogue's open. That's good. And in all honesty, I feel like this community is just accepting. Like, I mean... In general. In, in general. I would say. Really. I feel like Anaganish, the way, the way Anaganish bends to um, the presence of the students is actually kind of unprecedented. Mm. I could be wrong. I lived in Charlottetown for the the brief time that I went to Holland College, and it really feels like it really felt like uh, a Charlottetown catered to the students as much as possible, like the way the businesses catered to them, and Interesting. The, the hotels and the restaurants and that sort of thing. But Anaganish does, I but no, but to a point, like I mean, it, it doesn't change too much in the summers when they're all no, gone. No, it's a very quiet town because there's half as many people or less, you know, yeah. but... Um, of, of living, but, but you still get the tourists. But then so. there's a ton of tourists that come yeah. through, for sure. I just feel like Anaganish as, as, as a whole, I want to say, like, it wouldn't necessarily function the same way as it does without the university. Yeah, there's a, a long, different town. long history of the university being here. And the, oh, God, yeah. You know, it being part of the diocese before that. Like, they, this, they, they used to call Anaganish the Little Vatican for, for, for many, many years because the... Uh, Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. I didn't know that. I don't know if that's, that's a local thing. I don't know, maybe you guys yeah. never heard that before? I've never heard yeah, that. they used to call no. it the Little Vatican because the, um, the diocese ran everything. Yeah. Um, St. Martha's Hospital was run by the nuns. The, the university was run by the... Uh, the priests. The, How long uh, ago was this? When did that start to change? It's not that long ago that, yeah. they, that they passed the reins over. I want to say the last couple of decades. I'm certainly no historian. Is that right? English, but, uh, wow. But yeah. Like, for instance, uh, Bauer Theater is named after my great uncle, who was... Uh, wow. Yeah, really? Yeah. Monsignor Bauer, uh, Cyril Bauer, is my, my grandmother's brother, and he oh, served Anna cool. Actually, my, my other uncle, um, uh, Merchant Bauer, who uh, his family still lives in Anna Ganesh, 
Um, he would be my grandmother's brother as well. The mm-hmm. two of them served Anaganesh, or served, sorry, <clears throat> served Santa Vex for, uh, fuck, decades. Well, I mean, they, they, they named the theater after, after, wow. after Father Sierra. That's cool. That's incredible. And he yeah. actually, he still lived on campus when he passed away. Like, even, even after he lived really? in, um, I want to say, is it Governor's Hall? Is Gov's? It Gov- yeah, yep. a little building on the, yeah. He used to live on like the third or fourth floor there. He actually passed away and uh, wait across from Schwartz, uh, on the corner there of the the campus near the Cody. No, Governor's. No, that's not what I'm thinking of. That's Gov's Gov- is the huge one right. Yeah, no, that's years. that's no, 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 no. I'm, I'm totally wrong. Talking about alumni hall. No, I can't think of the building's name. I'd have know. to look at a map where of the it? campus. It's right on the corner where those new lights are. Yeah. Oh, oh. Cody. No, not Cody. Morris. Right on the very corner where those lights are. Like if you walk across. The crosswalk. Yep. Oh, like four where we had our banquet for Riley Hall yeah, there that one year. I don't year. know what building. That Anywho, I know exactly what you're talking anyway, about. Yeah. M- yeah, my uh, my great uncle, he lived on campus right up until he died. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. Bauer Theater. Huh. And that's something. Yeah, I actually think like none of my immediate family have gone to Saint Evex. Several of my cousins have and whatnot. I think there's some kind of a bursary on campus, in his memory. Is that uh, right? Hopefully. No interest in going to X or doing anything? Uh, For a long time, I wanted to audit some art classes there. I have a good friend who teaches art on campus. I may someday audit his class, but I just live such a busy life. I have so many things in the fire, and that would totally be for my own benefit. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, speaking of art, like, I mean, you're a full-time tattoo artist, right? I am a full-time tattoo artist. uh, I've been doing that for nine years now. Almost nine years, I guess. Yeah. Full-time. Close to full-time. Did you start nine years ago? Yeah. I started in 2010. Like, your first tattoo that you drew was nine years ago. Yeah. First tattoo that I did on somebody other than myself was on my wife in April of 2010. Wow. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And I've been blessed and privileged enough to raise my family with it for the last well the last eight years anyway yeah, yeah. well for yeah. those listening i mean i mean, i've had brophy's tattooed me multiple times so <laughs> he's, he's awesome worst so. client ever <laughs> <laughs> terrible scheduling eh? cried the whole time <laughs> yeah it doesn't stop whining <laughs> stops every 15 minutes <laughs> But yeah, no, I'm pretty lucky actually. I'm on, I'm honestly I, I, I can't complain about any 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 aspect of my life. I uh, I tattoo Tuesday to Friday, and I'm on the radio Saturday and Sunday. Cool. And uh, how did how did like that. how did you get into tattooing? Well, when I left paramedicine in 2009, mm-hmm. I floundered around for a couple of months trying to figure out what I was going to do. Eventually, realized okay, I'm 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 working on getting better. Yep. But I'm not going back to the uniform. Mm-hmm. I'm working on getting better, and I need to find something else to do. Yeah. And at the time, I'd been getting tattooed by Jamie McKay, who yep. uh, owned yeah. Sacred Temple down in Haverbushi. And Jamie had uh, a couple of times I'd you know I'd drawn a couple of designs that he tattooed on me, and a couple of times he'd mentioned that you know hey if you ever wanted to apprentice maybe we could talk about it you know yeah because you've always been like an, you've always been an artist I've always been artistic always been yeah I've always looked at the world from uh, from an artist's point of view I think I certainly never I mean before I was a tattooer I I did all kinds of stuff all kinds of mediums all kinds of you know creative shit but mm-hmm. not yep. that I'm nothing I'm proud of since I've been a professional artist let's say. But, um, but yeah, so Jamie had kind of pitched the idea to me, and then once I was in a position to have the time to put into it and the need to find another way to make a living, mm-hmm. I, uh, I approached him, and uh, he said, yeah, absolutely, come give it a try, let's, let's give it a go and see what's going on. 
and I tried it um, briefly, and I was really still right in the throes of dealing with my PTSD. Really, right. really, in all honesty, a dysfunctional fucking human being. You know, mm. really just no, no sense of working right now. No, that we should no, I'm for months just hiding in my bedroom, basically hiding wow. from my wife, hiding from my kids, hiding from the world. Um, smoking pot. Thankfully, not 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 abusing any other drugs, but uh, mm. we won't get into all that. But I was really a dysfunctional human being. So I let it slip. A few months went by. I finally got my head on straight. I uh, through therapy, going to therapy, like that was my job. Was for the for the run of a week, I was hiding in my bedroom, <laughs> <laughs> dysfunctional, and going for, to therapy. For anyone that might be in that place, like was it therapy that kind of helped you to get oh, your head back 100% on. helped me yeah time time is what helped mm-hmm. time and both the ability to focus on it mm-hmm. and the drive to live mm. is what got me get your life back yeah, yeah. Uh, therapy was <clears throat> absolutely key mm-hmm. just just somebody providing the venue for me to sit down and talk about it someone to listen someone to listen yeah. she, she uh, was an unbiased yeah, she had the, the the knowledge to ask the right questions and mm-hmm. the ability to sit there in a comfortable chair and listen while I fucking spewed my guts onto the floor of her yeah. room. And I did that with multiple therapists for you know months on end. I saw therapists that I wanted to see, therapists that insurance companies wanted me to see. Like it was honestly a fucking, like I said, that could be a whole other podcast yeah. too. Yeah, um, absolutely. It was, it was a trial for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I got through it. Um, so once I got to the point where I thought, okay, I'm, I need to start functioning as a human being again. Mm-hmm. If I'm not going to be Sean the paramedic, <laughs> who the fuck am I going to be? Yeah. You know? And it's funny you say so, that because like, I mean, there's so many people that go through that same feeling that you are. I was the same way with leaving hockey. It was kind of like, mm-hmm. okay, what, oh, what I, am I going to be? I can totally relate to that for sure. You know, like, what am I going to do who, now? Who am I? Yeah. 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 Am I it's like it? a rebuild. If I'm not yeah. Curtis the hockey star, who the fuck am I now? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah so, like, I, I, and that was, I was, for, I don't even, I, I couldn't even define a period of time, <clears throat> but for a period of time, I felt lost. Yeah. I'm absolutely. not Sean the paramedic anymore because when you're a paramedic, if you're a first responder in any one of those uniforms, it's not just what you do. It's who you are. You, yeah. you don't turn it off. You take mm-hmm. the uniform off, but you don't get to shut it off. You look at the world from those eyes mm-hmm. 24 hours a day. Yeah. So once you take that hat off and hang it up, whether it's a fucking hockey helmet mm-hmm. or a paramedic hat, and you decide to hang it up forever, I'm not going to be that person anymore. I got goosebumps <laughs> building yeah. up to this. Yeah, I know. If I'm not going to be that person anymore, who am I now? Who do I, what hat am I going to wear? Yeah. What, what am I going to do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it took me a little while to figure out... Um, just exactly what direction my wife, my, my life was going to go in. And uh, it ended up being tattooed, and I went back to Jamie and told him, like, I was a mess. I'm, I'm sorry. I let you down, but um, I got my shit straight. Yeah. <laughs> Will you give me another chance? And he said, absolutely, I'll give you another chance. That's and awesome. I've been in a tattoo shop every day since. Yeah, um, absolutely. Found your identity. Yeah. That's now awesome. I'm Sean the Tattooer. They used to be paramedic. And that's just it. I mean, once you left, like, you've been an artist your whole life, right? So, I mean, getting into tattooing was almost like getting into something that you've been passionate about forever. Yeah. Right? It's something I I don't want to say I ever, I I didn't strive for it because I thought it was out of reach. I thought I would love to be a tattooer. Even like while you were a paramedic? Even while I was a paramedic. Yeah. Because I had Was it the idea of being a tattooer or being the idea of being like an artist? Like, you know, being a, like creative. I always wanted to make my living with art. 
mm. always with creating. Yeah, creating something. I mean, I tried so many different things. I didn't really care. I just wanted to make something with my hands. Yeah. And make a living at it, but I never took the opportunity to work towards it. I never set it as a goal mm. until I had to. Until I had to have another goal. What am I gonna do now? And I, think I have two children and a wife that are expecting me to make a living. Yeah. How the fuck am I gonna do it? Yeah. And tattoo opened its door to me and I ran through it. <laughs> and I think that's what happens with everyone really when you yeah. gotta go through that, that transition period yeah. when you're walking around feeling lost, like who am I now? What am I supposed to be doing? Like an opportunity just drops in front of you and you <clears throat> run with it. Yeah. If right. you're lucky. That's yeah, that's the thing. Right? But I think too, yeah. like if you're if you're the type of person that's seeking opportunity, you're looking for, you know, what am I gonna do next? Instead of just kinda like walking around and mm-hmm. you know, feeling lost or feeling down about it. Like, yeah, you have to want it. Yeah, I think like there needs to be a desire to we, we I think we have an intrinsic need as humans to have a direction. We need we, we have Absolutely. to have a cause. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a cause you choose, whether it's gathering your food for the winter hundreds mm-hmm. of years ago whatever it is we need to have something to focus on to, yeah. to have our mind you know be fed have our, our physical body be fed with the activity of fucking gathering food for the winter whatever it is whatever you, what, you know we've evolved into these humans that now we can just sit at home yeah. we can order everything we need That's from where we're sitting mm-hmm. so what's our purpose what's our function what's your focus for today yeah. what are you going to do with your life for today you know, and so many people just get lost without that. Yeah. So I don't know where I was going with that or how the fuck I got on it. But well, it's it. well, you, it's, you like have to you have to think about it now. Like you used to when it was like getting food for the winter, it was you do that or you or you die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there was necessity 100%. there. Now you have to like do it yourself and like yeah. think about it and like what should I do? Yeah. What do I want to do with my life? Like yeah, yeah. You, you you need to have a desire to mm-hmm. feed yourself with that and there's yeah. so many of us that aren't there's so many of us that and I think excitement yeah. too needs to come from that mm-hmm. like it's an opportunity to do something completely different yeah like something you've never done before yeah mm-hmm. or something that you do every single day and you're sick of yeah but if you don't keep doing it shit's not gonna work out <laughs> you gotta find the joy in those things too yeah, yeah absolutely right? <laughs> absolutely or at yeah. least the discipline the discipline is 100% <laughs> how many I mean I'd like to say I'm a disciplined person. I'm so not. Yeah. But what gets me through every day is the things I am disciplined about. Yeah. Right? yeah. But, and the joys that you look yeah. forward to in, mm-hmm. in your day, right? And reason to get out of bed. It's all about your mood, too. Like, I, 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 I struggle. One of the things that, that, you know, one of the lasting effects with PTSD is, is my mood. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, my mood is something that I... I, I I wouldn't say I have a handle on do any of us really I guess yeah, I was going to say like, that's you know, something there's I... so many things that can affect that from your hydration level to what you've eaten to yeah. your rest what you've who you've interacted with that day there's so yeah. many things there's it's crazy. one little nuance of your day can go wrong and your mood's fucked for yeah. the rest of the day yep. right? my mom always says that anger is like a hook if you bite it it's really hard to get it out of your mouth I like you know that. I mean? that's, wow. that's so true. Yeah, that is a really yeah. And it's really tough. It, you have one negative interaction with somebody to start your day, and yep. you bite that fucking hook of anger, mm-hmm. and it's stuck in your cheek for the day. The rest right? of it. Yeah, the yeah. rest of the day. Yep. You know, you can fight and wiggle it to try and get it out of there, but it's a good analogy. I love my mom. I like it. That's a great analogy. It's like momentum, right? Yeah. That momentum of getting yeah. angry and... It's hard yeah. to get out of that. You, you you can't control how other people are going to behave in the run of your day. All you can do is control how you're going to react to it. I love it. Right? Stoicism. Absolutely. Directly stoicism. Yeah. So, I mean, 
Very cool. I had a question here on uh, sure. Instagram pop up. Okay. This was uh, this was one that kind of got asked a couple times. What is uh, your favorite and least favorite tattoo like type of cus- type of tattoo customer? <laughs> like, what are some things like? Like when I, I know you told me some stories that are like oh when these people do this like what's something that kind of like grinds your gears with okay you know, that stuff that people that's do that's a good question that let's is. get into that like as it's like <laughs> tattooing tattoo clients <laughs> I'm blessed I have really good clients actually um, it's a very very thin line between best and worst clients okay what frustrates me the most yeah let's get into that is kinda somebody like peeves, somebody who comes to me. And says, I want to put a tattoo on my arm right here. What should I get? <laughs> <laughs> they just want a tattoo. But the really fun clients are the ones that come to me and go, I want to put a tattoo on my arm right here. I don't care what I get. <laughs> How often do you get someone like that? Not very fucking often. Okay, I was going to say. hilarious. <laughs> no, I, I, it's tough, it's tough to, to be creative 100% of the time. So when you interact with people on the, at the volume that I interact with people about tattoos and people come to me and say, I really want to get a tattoo for my daughter. She was born in April. Um, what should I get? Yeah. Like, I, I, it's tough. It's your, it's I your don't fucking know, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I really don't know. Like if she's born in April, let's go with a birth flower yeah, I was yeah. or say a birth like, gemstone. Yeah, like, it's, it's, but the, the, after so many times, it's like... I don't. I don't really know. Like, I, it's so much easier when somebody comes to me with a clear idea. Mm-hmm. I want a tattoo of my daughter's birth flower with her name and birth date underneath it. I was okay, cool. Say, though, like, Let's do, do that. Yeah. Like, don't. I don't understand though those people that can just go in and say like, I know what memory I want to capture. Now, can you capture that in a picture for yeah. me? You know what I mean? Like, I know like myself when I go in to get tattooed. Like, I know exactly what I want. Yeah. And I know not all the time, Curtis. I was, yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> not all the time. Say, last time we were in there, we were fu- we were trying to. Sometimes Curtis has a little spot, and we don't quite know what to put in there. But I think I figured what I'm gonna throw in it. We won't go there. I think yeah. you did actually. Yeah, you're probably waiting on me to get you booked for that spot. That's probably yeah, we can wait. Out. Yeah, it's all good. I think if we look at the history of our messages, it's all good. You're waiting to hear from me. Hey, I got, I got. <laughs> we'll move on. Let's move on. Yeah, we'll move on. <laughs> we'll get into that when the cameras turn off. <laughs> um. Yeah, okay, so that was... Uh, so yeah, that's tough. It's tough It's tough when people want input from me. It's it's one thing when you come to me with the idea and I have to sort my way through what it is that you want to get tattooed and make a design out of it. Uh-huh. But when you come to me and, and you don't you, you don't know what you want on you, I sure as fuck don't know what I, what you want on you. You yeah, know what I mean? Absolutely. It's, it's trying. It really is. And <laughs> so many people are like that. Because of the because of the popularity of tattooing now, because of the, the mainstreaming of it, Yep. People want a tattoo because they want a tattoo. They don't mm-hmm. know what they want or why they want it. That's a weird Or thing. what they want to depict with it. <coughs> yeah. They just want a tattoo. Or a lot, of, a lot of people want a sleeve. Like it's a, like it's an accessory to their outfit. Or a, <laughs> well, buddy, it doesn't come or off. Or a consumable <laughs> commodity of <laughs> some sort. I just thing. I want a sleeve. Well, what do you want? I don't know yet. Well, there's a, there's a lot of skin to be covered. A, so come up with some it. stuff. There's so many, want, there's so many people that just kind of like, I want a sleeve. Yeah, Let's just fill it. It's like I said, it's like an accessory to their outfit. That's because it's yeah. trendy. It is. It's hundred yeah, percent trendy, and that's good. It's great for me. It's good for you. And I should not complain. Yeah. It's as very, much as it's, it's very tough, as much when somebody as comes to you with zero ideas of what they want, mm-hmm. and they want to get 
a large 12 piece, to yeah. 20 hours worth of tattooing yeah. done and it's up to you to decide what it is you're doing on them yeah. and, you, got, and you gotta make it all fit yeah you gotta make it all fit it's yeah. gotta like flow nicely so many considerations yeah. Yeah. yeah I know even like when we start planning like we're almost planning like two sessions ahead to make sure everything is gonna yeah. You work have around to. So, what's gonna fit here when we're done with this you know so you're almost like creating sessions ahead on the spot yeah like, or you design the full sleeve ahead of time, which and I work your way through it as yeah. you go. I don't really do a whole lot of that. Myself. I know you know I um when I first was looking to get my sleeve done, that's how I wanted to do it. I wanted yeah. to uh, I wanted to, I knew everything I wanted in it, but I wanted him to draw it out before and like he wasn't. He's kind of said the same thing you said, and I feel it's, like a it's lot a of daunting task. Yeah, it's a lot mm. to create all of that and to create it in a way that like your arm is like the most ridiculous thing you'd ever want to fit flat artwork on, right? Right. Creating yeah, on yeah. paper is one thing. Yeah. Creating on this cylindrical long thing that's not the same diameter at any one given, you know, any two given yeah. points throughout it, you know, it's, it's it's tough to do that in in one big sheet, you know what I mean? So, uh, and some people specialize in it. I'm not that guy. But uh but yeah, I can see why that guy shied away from it when you got when you got your sleeve done. But yeah. Let's but do this piece at a time, idea at a time until yeah. it's full and then fill in around it kind of thing. And yeah. Yeah. That's kinda how I tackle things. I'd prefer to just give you a nice cool tattoo. <laughs> for no reason. Just come to my shop. And we'll draw something. Book up. an appointment, come to my shop, and we'll just tattoo something fucking cool on you. Because yeah, it you, looks cool. Because you always Not have for any stuff reason. By, just because it looks cool. You I don't always mean throw you. stuff I mean up the proverbial you. <laughs> you always throw stuff up on your page that you've just kind of. I do, actually, yeah. And now it's it's become a little bit like I'm actually doing some of them, which is fun. Um, I mean, there's some cool pieces. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank like, you. It's a lot of fun. I, I Basically, I, I'm in a situation where I tattoo as much as I want, as often as I want. I have lots of folks looking for me. I'm blessed in that way. And I, I'm complaining to myself a lot that I don't get to tattoo things that I want to tattoo. So I just started, you know, putting them up online. I draw little things all the time. I just started sort of collecting them up, four or six of them at a time, and putting them on Instagram or whatever. And cool. saying, hey, if you like any of these, hit me up. And I have lots of people hit me up. Occasional, occasional folks book me for it. You know, nice. I probably of all those little drawings that you've seen me post lately, I've yep. probably tattooed five or six of them That's lately, awesome, which is though. cool. Yeah. You know? And eventually, I'd like to work my way into doing just that kind of work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and like the stuff you're posting too fits like the people around here. I feel like it's it's fitting the theme of the things that are popular now around you, but yeah. also fitting things that I like. Like a lot of them are camping. I was gonna say like camping. Sort of I fucking stuff love like camping, and lots yeah. of people love camping, and you know, promoting hobbies that I enjoy and tattooing images that are cool and make me money. And so you're saying like people want to collect. So what are the type? Is there a specific style that you like tattooing? My heart is in American traditional or Americana, like or, the pinup you know, stuff. Like yeah, like uh, you know sailors and or not sailors, sailor tattoos. You yeah. know ships and um, pinup girls. You know sailor girls, anchors. Uh, octopuses and I feel like anything nautical really and I feel like if you've been to Sean's studio you'll get that vibe yeah I like (laughs) I like those Americana those old school tattoos things that you know Sailor Jerry tattooed fucking 60 years ago yeah you know that's that's the stuff that really gets my my juices pumping do you have like an inspiration for that would it be like Sailor Jerry who's Sailor Sailor Jerry Sailor Jerry uh, I've been tattooed by Sailor Jerry now we got a couple of Sailor Jerry's maybe I'll set the record straight on folks now you guys have seen Sailor Jerry rum yeah. No, yes, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Sailor Jerry spiced rum's fucking delicious. Get so. you some if you hadn't had some. Yeah. Um, that's one Sailor Jerry. That guy, his name is uh, Norman Collins. They okay. called him Sailor Jerry for whatever reason. He's a, a popular tattooer, arguably the father 
of traditional American tattooing. Um, I think he did most of his career out of, out of Hawaii. That's where he's famous from, anyway. Huh. Um, sadly, he has nothing to do with the rum. I don't think any of his estate gets any of the money from that rum. Somehow they got the rights to the imagery and the rights to the name, and they produced the rum with it. It's fucking delicious rum, but I don't think any of the money's going to Sailor Jerry's family. But, also, it's like based off of his work. Kind it's based of? off of his work. They use okay. his imagery for the for the the, uh, the labels and that sort of I thing. See. And yeah, his, yeah. his name as a, but it's really good. So you can't <laughs> argue with it. It's working. I'm sure they sell lots of it. But also here locally, we have an actual Sailor Jerry, Jerry Swallow. Excuse me. So for decades, long before I was a tattooer, the only place you could get tattooed here locally was by Sailor Jerry. He had a shop in New Glasgow, Halifax before that for decades. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for a long, long time, if you were tattooed anywhere around here, you were tattooed by, by Jerry. That's cool. Um, he's kind of a, he's still tattooing in New Glasgow. He's kind of... Kind of a, you know, crotchety old fella. He's yeah. kind of hard. He's a great guy. A yeah. lot of tattooers love him, you know. Huh. Um, a lot of local folks think he's kind of a cranky old fella and whatever. But, but, um, but I've been tattooed by him. My wife's been tattooed by him. We all, we all, have, our, we all have our ways for sure. Yes, yeah. for sure. Um, but yeah, he was the only guy, the only, the only place to get tattooed around here for a long, long time. That's interesting. Um, I got my first tattoos in Texas, actually, but then many, many tattoos from Jerry. How old and, were you when you got your first tattoo? I was 15 with oh, a fake wow. ID when I got my first tattoo. What was it? Yeah. I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I, uh... I bought a ring for a lady that I was seeing at the time in okay. Texas. This 15-year-old kid thinking a little, ahead of, a little <laughs> ahead of himself. I bought a ring at a pawn shop locally. And uh, asked that girl if she wanted the ring, and she didn't want the ring. I don't think she even wanted me anymore. So I took the ring back to the pawn shop, and in that same strip mall, in the pawn shop, where the pawn shop was, was a tattoo shop called Tattoo Consortium. Hmm. These two guys, I uh, can't remember one fellow's name, but the other guy, the guy that tattooed me, his name was Mike C. Mike he C. Just, he just went by Mike C. on his, on his business card. No That's last hilarious. name. Two Harleys parked out front. And Mike, uh, Mike tattooed a, a winged dragon from a Piers Anthony novel. I was a bit of a, bit of a nerd back when I was That's 15, awesome. a teenager in general. I was, yeah. uh, I was into a lot of, a lot of fantasy novels. So it was funny cause I left the pawn shop with like, I want to say 50 bucks in my pocket and I walked down the strip mall and I walked in and I said to myself, if I walk in there yeah. and they have that winged dragon that I want from that book on the wall I'll get it I'll get it tattooed and there is no earthly no fucking reason way. for a tattoo shop in College Station, Texas <laughs> to have Piers Anthony imagery on the walls <laughs> but he did for some strange reason he well, had, you uh, had to hold yourselves accountable yeah, I helped yeah I made the deal with myself <laughs> and I followed through that's fucking awesome <laughs> <Crazy>. <laughs> I have what never since in my days seen any Piers Anthony <laughs> imagery in any tattoo shop meant to be for the rest of my Why life. Why don't you have any of that up on your wall? Oh man, I don't know. I've got the book. I've got the book there. Oh, I've got a book full God. of. Uh, I've got like a book full of like a collection of the imagery from all the novels. Yeah. Do you still read fantasy novels? I don't really. No, I, I shouldn't say that. Uh, like I love Lord of the Rings and uh, um, Harry Potter and all yeah, that yeah. stuff. The Hobbit for sure. Who doesn't um, like Harry Potter, really? Yeah, Come absolutely. On. Actually, Tay. Any age. Tay. Any person. Tay doesn't like she Harry doesn't Potter. She doesn't like it? Nope. Wow. Just, I know, it's 
It's terrible. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> it's a problem. It is it's a, a problem. problem. It's, it's a problem. huge problem. <laughs> Not really, though. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I used to read a hell of a lot more. I don't so much anymore just because I live such a busy life. And when yeah. I, I want to relax, it's probably staring at my phone. That's sad, isn't it? It's all of us. That's yeah. All. Yeah. But yeah, I used to love reading. I mean, I'm definitely like the nerd in me. Appeal. I love doing nerd tattoos, like Star Wars tattoos. Oh, I've seen yeah. a few, like some roses with R two D two, and yeah, yeah. like that's cool. Yeah. I've got a couple of Star Wars tattoos myself. And, uh, <laughs> I definitely, uh, I I uh, I say my heart is with Americana tattoos. But if I could, I, I follow tattooers on Instagram that do nothing but pop culture and nerd tattoos. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Goonie Tunes. If you want to look up Goonie Tunes on Instagram, that okay. dude. He makes a living. I don't know where he's in. I want to say New South Wales or New Zealand or something like that. He he makes a living tattooing nothing but Simpsons and fucking uh, Rick and Morty oh, and that's Star awesome. Wars. Probably... And if it's pop culture and it's cartoony, he that's how he makes his living. It's so envious. I'm so envious of it. Goonie tunes. Goonie I feel tunes, like, like yeah. our side, you could totally transition to that in the right place. In the right place. I'm in a place like the clientele that I service now is equal parts. Um, you know, local professionals, local country folks, and students, and, you know, hipsters. You yeah. know what I mean? So I kind of service a little bit of everything in terms of the tattoos that I do. Oh, I would, um, yeah, definitely. I have my limitations. Like, I don't do portraits and that sort of thing. Like, I have my limitations, you mm. know, artistically of what I can and cannot perform. And I was going to ask you I that. Like, try if and someone, do a little bit of everything. If someone you know? comes to you with kind of like an idea that they want to get done if it's like no that's actually not something that I I do say no to a lot of folks yeah yeah if it's outside of my capabilities I say no for sure if it's offensive or like satanic or some shit I say no mm. if it's just something I don't want to do <laughs> I probably do it anyway <laughs> probably do it anyway um, but if it's if I, I, I never do a tattoo unless I think I can fucking ace it you know mm. what I mean I'm never gonna half ass something uh, well, it's certainly not purposefully anyway shit happens but I'm never gonna not try my best with every design and if I know that I can do it I'll try it if, I, if I'm if i not sure if it's a challenge like obviously it's a good it's a good thing to challenge yourself it's a good thing to grow as an artist so yeah. you know stretch your limitations push yourself a little bit further know your boundaries but there are boundaries for sure to that right Especially I don't want to put a fucking bad tattoo on anything yeah. well I know I've sent you st- something before a couple things before and you even said like a little outside yeah. of my yeah yeah, I know my limitations. I've mm-hmm. I've tattooed long enough to know that I'm what I'm capable of, and certainly what I'm not. You know what I mean? So I try and challenge myself. I try and push my limits, but I also, I also want to be comfortable and have fun doing it. Yep. And if I book you for a tattoo that's gonna stress me out, I'm gonna spend however long it is until that appointment is stressing out about mm-hmm. it. Um, I actually have done that with you, Curtis. What? Uh, yeah, I mean, I do. Uh, no, no, offen- no offense whatsoever. <laughs> I was be like, no, what? Offense, no, no offense whatsoever. But uh, or not, not meant anyway. Um, I, I uh, probably with people that you know. I would, I would book like... a tattoo with somebody who has wants a design of something that is gonna push my limits, gonna push my, challenge me a little bit. Um, but I want to do it because it's within the boundaries of what I want to be capable of. Mm-hmm. And people book those kinds of things with me all the time. You know, you're just one of them. You know? Yeah. Um, you want good art. You know, lots yeah. of folks come in and their 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 um, their expectations from a tattooer are not as broad. You know, let's right. say that. So um, so yeah, you, you know, you challenge me. You've challenged me. For years. Awesome. Not that I've tattooed. You've got a lot of tattoos. I've done like twelve percent of them, <laughs> if that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's good to be challenged. It's good to accept things that are gonna make me think. 
for sure. But if they're gonna make me stress, then it's like then it's not fun anymore. But then as well, it's it's kinda like being on the radio. You 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 get to the other side of the challenge and you're like, Fuck yeah, I did it. Mm-hmm. I did it, I got past it. Absolutely. I do that every weekend on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> That's we a, actually had a, what is it, eight or nine hours though? On the radio, yeah. I go in at eleven and I'm on the air till five, and then I voice track the last hour. I'm not supposed, not sure if I'm supposed to say that, but the last hour is pre-recorded and I leave. Oh, really? And it just plays after I leave. Interesting. Yeah. I actually, I actually had a, I voice track from midnight to eight a.m. as well, and then tomorrow night I'll voice track from midnight to six a.m. as well. Oh, okay. Just so those cool. overnight are usually voice tracks. Yep. Typically, most of the time, it's just business hours. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that again. We're going to find out if the (laughs) station manager watches or listens to this. I'm sorry, Bob, if I'm not supposed to say this. Well, I mean, speak of the... Yeah, they can't have somebody in the station all the time, so they voice track. Go ahead, Curtis. Speak of the studio. We had had another person ask, uh, said... um, do you ever uh, start dancing in the studio? Every day. Was, <laughs> this Every guy teed day. it up saying it's almost like he's seen it here. Every so. day. The funny thing is That's that funny. I've been in this. I mean, I, I like I like to dance. I mean, it's let's be real. It's an adult contemporary station, so it's a lot of pop music, but it's mm. also a lot of good rock and roll, a lot of classics, a lot of music from my childhood, um, a lot of music, unfortunately, from my daughter's childhood. <laughs> but you know what I mean? I, I've learned to love the pop. Um, but yeah, I dance, I sing along a lot of the time. There's a little bit of downtime sometimes. It's a very busy situation, but mm-hmm. when I can, um, fuck yeah, I'm grooving along in that station. That's awesome. Uh, sometimes when you're in, when you're in the studio directly across from you, you're facing a window and in the window is the newsroom. And sometimes <laughs> the station manager, the station man, station owner, Mr. <laughs> Bob McCacron will come in and sit in the newsroom to do stuff on the news computer and I'll be dancing and <laughs> grooving to whatever song is on the radio before I realize and oh, oh he's watching me <laughs> just go he'll just kind of sneak in there without you know oh, right? that's funny but, uh, but yeah whatever fuck dance like nobody's watching right yeah exactly it makes you happy <laughs> speak of what makes you happy another uh, another question we got a lot of questions for you cool right? cool I'm um, talking a lot I'm probably not answering a lot of them um, that's good so another question was where's your favorite place to go for a pint on Thursday nights this might, be, this might be another teed up question. That might be. Uh, my wife and I, on our, 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 our weekly routine, my wife and I, uh, we both finish work about the same time on Thursday nights. And typically, we go to the pub. Yeah? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And I'll say, I'll say that we like to go to the townhouse. Townhouse is a good spot. It's expensive. It's good, you know, you, you premium, premium pints. Yeah, that's premium the place. Pints. <laughs> um... But uh, my wife often feels like she's not dressed for the townhouse after a work day. Right. She works at Cleves. So she's often in, you know, like sporting goods. In sporting attire. wear. Yeah. In sporting yeah. attire. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, we go to the pub because the pub isn't quite as, you know. More relaxed. It's a little more relaxed. Yeah, yeah casual. For sure. They have good casual. beers too. Yeah. yeah. They have good beers and I'm, I'm partial to the uh, I'm partial to the deep fried pepperoni. Oh. Yeah. Deep, deep fried, fried pepperoni. pepperoni. Deep fried pepperoni and a pint will take me a long way, let me tell you. Wow. At the pub. At the pub. I'm going to have to give that a try. Yeah. yeah. I've never had food at the pub. I've only it's actually like really twice. good. Yeah? Um, f- I mean, I've lived in Antigonish since 2000, I think. Yeah. And there's been ups and downs in the pub in terms of the quality of the food, but mm-hmm. they've, they've made a big change in the last at least year or two. Oh, really? And the f- quality of the food at the pub is 
pretty pretty decent. I don't mind recommend. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people, you know, they'll come into town for a tattoo from a you know a couple hours away or whatever. Yeah. For the day, where do I go to eat afterwards? I say, look, the townhouse. If you want to take your time, have good local fare with a little bit of an alternative menu. But if you want just good solid pub food and a fucking cold beer, go to the pub. You know what I mean? The pub. The, the pub. pub. Yeah. The pub. That's funny. But yeah, Thursday nights, my wife and I go out for a pint after work, and uh, that's the routine. That's awesome. We also go to uh, Half Cocked Brewing and fill up our growlers. Yeah. Are you guys familiar with Half Cocked Brewing? Well, I mean, yes. We had... You should probably get Matt. I would love to. And uh, Greg, who are the brewers from Half Cocked, in yeah. here to talk about beer for a couple of hours. That'd, that'd be cool. awesome. Yeah, I'd be down. Yeah, that could fil- um, facilitate, um, you know, connecting you guys if you want. Yeah. Great fellows. And I mean, hey, love they're beer looking, and uh, looking to get some more conversation in front of yeah. some more potential. Those guys, I bet, could talk about all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Matt is an arborist as well. Oh, works, really? Works in trees and whatnot. Oh, really? But uh, those guys could probably talk about a lot of shit, but would sit here, I'm sure, and talk about beer. Okay. In Nova Scotia for a long time. Well, hey, if you can cool. make the connection and... Yeah. Uh, I'd be more than We're out there every Wednesday filling up our growlers. We fill up, they open from 3 to 7. Okay. I think, not Wednesday, Thursday. That's what the teed up question four was. Seven, I want to say. Four <laughs> to seven. What was the question? You showed me your phone, but I didn't actually read what was on it. Um, was it from Halfcock? Yeah, that was yeah. who you sent the question in. Oh, Half-Cock, really? They said, where was Thursday? Where? Uh, oh, and I said the pub. Yeah, God that's damn. why I was like, oh, man, Sean. Like, this is up for <laughs> Well, we got there. Look that's at that Halfcock brewing, brewing. Favorite place for a pint on Thursday. Just kidding. We love this dude. Okay, so <laughs> at least they knew that so, you were gonna say so, it. So okay, so let me go back to that before I before I uh, ruin myself here. So within the last month or so, maybe a little bit longer, half cro- half cocked um, changed their um, liquor license. Okay. So before they were open on Thursdays from I want I think it's four to seven. Yeah, it's four to seven. They're open for those three hours, and you can go out and you could fill your fill your growlers or your grunters. And take them home with you to drink. So within the last, let's say, two months, they got a new license. And now they are Canada's smallest tap room. They have seating for, I think, eight or ten people. Really? And you can go out there and sit in the little brewery front office. That would be awesome. And have a beer. Oh, that's fill up cool. Your so we usually, Tanya and I will go out, we'll have one beer. And we'll fill up our grunters. And yeah. I made a little, like, a carrying case out of wood. I got four grunters that I fill up. We fill them up every Thursday, and that's what we drink for the weekend. Huh. Uh, it gets us through. That's like the... It gets us through Thursday and Friday night, for sure. But, <laughs> but um, Yeah, we got to like definitely right? get out there and Yeah, for sure. Go out and visit them. Definitely. Tell them what you got going on. Or I can make the, the introduction if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt and Greg, two great dudes. Um, Greg is an oikel. And the Oikel, I think they used to have a chicken farm out there, I want to say. I think it's a chicken farm. So they um, they have the brewery in the front section of this humongous, cool old barn. So you walk in there, and they've got like a little tap room out front. Where they've got a little counter and a, some seating and a little bar. And they sell merch and stuff. And in the back, they've got a little brewery. They make beer like small batches. Same size batches as what Terry would use at the townhouse there. I, I can't remember how big it is. I want to say... I want to say like 50 gallons at a time maybe okay. mm-hmm. not a very big batch of beer a keg at a time let's say okay they yeah. make a keg at a time um but yeah so they make beer and they sell it over there and then now they're now they're open saturdays actually i think in the afternoon three to six as well <coughs> oh, where they but located? it's really good beer they're they located like right down the road here just out oh that's pa- right yeah, yeah, yeah just yeah. out past you guys here. you know what's funny i drove out there the other day and i was trying to like just 
see the like the turnoff where it is like a sign. I couldn't. S- well, they didn't have it very well marked for a long time. You there's told a little, me that. There's a little yeah. sign that says Halfcock Brewing, 500 meters ahead, and then from the other direction, the same. And they didn't have a sign on the building just because they didn't want to have people landing at all hours of the day, every day of the week. But now they do have a sign on the brewery itself, on the turn right for the brewery, mm-hmm. so you can go in there. It's only a couple minutes past you here. Like yeah, early, absolutely. That's what you're saying. Um, yeah, and they make, I want to say they have five taps. I think it's five taps. So they make kind of a beer that'll facilitate any taste, you know, like yeah. they make an easy to drink beer. Um, they make a stout. They make a couple different variations of like IPAs. So you'd have like a really hoppy beer, and then that's one that's just slightly hoppy. And hmm. It's all local ingredients, all, all or- organic, unpasteurized. Like you're, you know, like wholesome, good for you beer. And I mean, good for you by if you drink one or two a day, it's really good for you. <laughs> More than that, maybe not so much. You know? Moderation. Yeah, moderation. Everything in moderation, exactly. even moderation. <laughs> I like it. God, I'm sorry. That's great. So yeah, that's funny that they sent gotta, in that I question. I gotta spread around my love to everybody. Yeah. We like the pub. We also like half cocked. <laughs> so good. we can fit both of them in. Yeah, absolutely. Just not every Thursday, because that would be drinking and driving. Yeah, and you can't be doing that. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, oh, I got... I'm I'm curious. Um, sure. Is there like a inherent stress with tattooing? Like, with the fact that you're, like, drawing on someone's body. You mean, like, permanently marking someone's yeah. body forever? Yeah, yeah. Something like, you no, know? No stress at all. <laughs> Doesn't bother you? No. Fuck you. <laughs> yes. I would think so. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm a little bit... I don't want to say numb to it, but it's not as much of a stress in the forefront. You don't think about focus. it as much. Not yeah. so much anymore. Yeah. Um, there's more pressure with somebody I know intimately... <laughs> somebody for instance that I'm gonna see as a yeah. friend or a family member or excuse me a good client who's in to see me you know every month I have plenty yeah. of clients who are really good to me and come to me like you know frequently mm-hmm. I mean hey I would there's a well. little yeah if you could get an appointment <laughs> fuck hey come on <laughs> like, oh I'm just trying to get on I'm the list terrible. Like, I'm terrible <laughs> I'm here now Curtis <laughs> I'm here now <laughs> I was gonna tell you to bring a gun by but <laughs> So yeah, somebody who, if I'm going to see the tattoo a mm-hmm. lot, I put a little bit more pressure on myself yeah. so that I don't let myself down. Uh, that may sense. sound bad to the listening audience. That I, I don't mean that I don't care about um, other clients. I just mean that I put a lot of pressure on myself with every tattoo. Mm-hmm. And then for some people, I put even more pressure on myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? You could ruin like a relationship. Yeah, right? not yeah. even, I mean, I, I have, like I had a, <laughs> I'll tell you this story, boys. I had a lady come recently who, um, very sweet lady, yeah. local country lady, like a, you know, good, good, you know, down home. Like a mom. A mom, a yeah, mom, 100% right? a mom. Really? Um, I want to say she talked to me with a Cape Breton accent or maybe a Newfoundland accent. I can't say for sure, but yeah. just a real sweet lady. Mm-hmm. I won't say her name, but she had a real sweet lady name too. <laughs> 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 yeah, somebody's grandma had the same name as this lady. So anyway, so she came <laughs> to funny. me. Um, called me actually very rarely do I get called anymore mostly social media or text or whatever yeah. so she called me on the telephone <laughs> said she wanted a tattoo could she come in and see me so she came in to see me and we did a, a lovely tattoo on her um, I could say what it is I guess it's uh, it was a Winnie the Pooh hmm. um, holding a couple of balloons oh I saw that like one a couple of balloons holding 
No, I don't think I posted it. Are you sure? No, I don't think I posted it. No. So I'm comfortable talking about it. Okay. Um, not that it's an issue anyway, yeah. really. Yeah. I'm just trying to maintain a little bit of confidentiality. Of course. You know, Absolutely. Whatever. So a little Winnie the Pooh tat- uh, tattoo holding a couple of balloons and her kids' birth dates in the balloons. Oh, cool. And um, it came out really well. I was super happy with it. It even healed really well. Yeah. Um, nice bright colors. The Winnie the Pooh came out like, you know, like like I grew up on Winnie the Pooh. I fucking got you were proud. I got him right. Yeah, yeah. Him right. You nailed it. You know what I mean? <laughs> she called me three weeks later, after the tattoo healed. She said, "Sean, I gave you one of the wrong dates." Oh no! I'm like fucking instantly deflated, like <gasps> deflated. It's not my fault. No. All I did was sucks. tattoo on her the dates that she gave me. Mm-hmm. But I still feel responsible, obviously, yeah. right? So. I said, ah, oh, fuck, like, I don't know what to tell you, dear. Like, I would really like to help you. You're going to have to either... Because it was one of those instances where, like, the tattoo just... It healed perfectly. And she's an elderly lady, so she had sort of, you know, like, thin, tissuey skin. Mm-hmm. So it was bright and bold and just, like, like a like a perfect tattoo. Like, this, the, the, the colors were bright. There was really no cover. The lines were bold. It was crisp. It, like, it could, there was nothing I could do. Yeah. Know? So I told her, you're going to have to get it lasered. You're going to have to do something. And uh, she was deflated, like more so than myself, obviously. Mm -hmm. And it took her three weeks to notice. I want to say it was like, I want to say it was 77 and 88. And I think the 88 was supposed to be an 80. Oh, damn. So really, it was within reason of figuring something out, right? Anyway, I said, I'm sorry, dear. I don't know what to do. I gave her gave her some numbers from some folks in Halifax that I know that do laser removal and, and uh, really just like it fucking, you know, talk about your mood for the day. Like, mm. ruined me for the day. No kidding. Ruined me for a couple of days, yeah. really. Because although I'm not responsible for it, I'm still, I feel 100% responsible for it, right? Like, I created it in a way that was wrong. Yeah. So anyway, long story short. Sorry, guys. No, no, no sorry. She gets back to me like two months later. She says, Sean, I figured something out, and I think I have it fixed. Can I come in and see you? Okay. And I said, okay, come on in. Come on in and see me. So she comes in, and there's like a scab gone, like, you know, that pink sort of silvery, shiny skin where the eight used to be. Yeah. And 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 I'm looking, and like there's, you can barely see the eight anymore. And I'm like, holy fuck, what did you do? She said, well, I found a product. I had it in my medicine cabinet. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I think it's working. Do you think we can tattoo over this in another month or two? I said, fuck, I think we might be able to do this. So, so I don't know what she was using, boys. I don't know. I think I want to say like a, maybe a wart remover or a skin she, tag remover so because, you, because you can get those topical type treatments over the counter from a pharmacist now that, that will remove a wart or remove a, a skin tag. Or that's what I, I'm guessing. She never yeah. did tell me. So anyway, I'll wrap up. About a month or two later after that, after she come back and see me, she comes back in again. She calls me, actually, on the phone again. Yeah. She says, I think I got it licked. I'm going to come in and see you. I said, okay, come on in. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. And she comes in, and, and the fucking eight is gone. <laughs> it's gone. And she's healed. It's pink skin. Like, you can see the faintest, the outline. faintest outline of an eight where wow. it used to be. So I tattooed a fucking zero over it. 
It's healed up. It's all good. Looks beautiful. Looks perfect. Nobody would ever. Nobody would ever be the wiser. You need to find out what the I know, right? Fuck like, she was using. She wouldn't tell me. Why would she? Why wouldn't would tell, she tell me? You? I don't know. She like. <laughs> I don't it was know. Probably something fucked. I don't up. know, and I'm a gentleman, so I wasn't gonna yeah. press her. Right? Oh, like, this I, lady I, was, you should have. I want She had a particular reason why she didn't want to tell me what she was doing. It was and, probably like acid or something. Like, who she, knows? What did it look like? I, fe- I feel I like yeah, I feel like the kind of lady she was and the age she was, it could have been. Something they don't even sell anymore. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Fitted her liquor to her cabinet for no. like 20 years. Yeah, this is something yeah. they used to sell in the 60s, but yeah. they, they outlawed it because it <laughs> removes tattoos. Oh, right. man. Well, wow. That's a big research right now, the whole tattoo removal. Right? It is. It's, it's, I mean, there's a lot of bad tattooers out there making mm. bad tattoos on people. Back to your original question, Dad. Yeah. You know, some people, there's unfortunately a lot of tattooers out there that are making a living doing shitty tattoos on people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's unfortunate. But it's all in... It's in the need for the client to educate themselves. I agree. About, you know, if you're going to buy a television, you're going to try and get the best television you can for your dollar. Yeah. Yeah. That may, be, may not be true. Maybe... That's probably a bad analogy because a lot of people are just going to go buy the cheapest... Pe- the cheapest tattoo... Cheapest... The well, cheapest I think, television I think the best, they can get. I think, the best what a way, I think what you're trying to say is yeah. that you get what you pay for. You get what you pay for 100% yeah. of the time. No. So if you're going to go get the cheapest television for your dollar or the cheapest tattoo for your dollar, you're going to get exactly what you pay for. Well, I for think sure. it's yeah. like going to buy yeah. any big ticket item, right? Like, I mean... Yeah. Tattooing might not be a big. I mean, well, it is. It a is. Big it is. Item, it should know? be. But it should like, be. Should be tattoos of. are not good for you. You should no. be going in there. No, like, like you said earlier, with a somewhat of a broad idea. You should. You should first of all educate yourself on what you want, mm-hmm. what you're gonna expect from your tattooer, and if you've never had a tattoo before, don't go to the first guy that's available and get the cheapest tattoo that you can get. Yeah. Yeah. Go to a few people, ask questions, look at their portfolio, mm-hmm. look at their online social media. What kind yeah, of tattoos are absolutely. they posting every day? Ask your friends who have tattoos. Ask your friends for sure, but then if your friends are getting shitty tattoos from that, yeah, tattooers, get, yeah, get better absolutely. friends. <laughs> yeah, get better friends. Get better friends with better tattoos. That's true. That's true. But yeah, you really need to educate yourself. If you're going to spend the kind of money that you should spend on a tattoo, you should be getting what you're paying for, yeah. and, and you should be educating yourself first. You should make sure that you're going to somebody who's reputable. You're making sure that you're going to somebody who's using the proper equipment in the proper fashion, who's properly educated. Like, there's so many things to it. Yeah, the cleanest you know? way. And... Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, AIDS is not a scare for tattoos. Mm-hmm. The moment AIDS hits the air, you can't get it anymore. It's dead. That's why AIDS is contracted by either sex or a needle because it goes inside the needle it's not exposed to the air but hepatitis is everywhere I could contaminate the surface of this table right now with hepatitis and we could leave and never touch this table for six months and come back and there's still hepatitis right there that table's still contaminated you know what I mean it is scary (laughs) and again I'm not a rocket surgeon it might not be six months but hepatitis yeah, is yeah. a huge worry. And there's a fucking hundred other things that you can get from a bad tattooer as well. You know, it, it's, it's, you really got to educate yourself on who you're getting it from, how he's performing that tattoo, and, and, and what, what kind of art you're going to put on yourself forever. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a big decision. One, it's the one thing you're going to yeah. buy that is going to be with you for longer than you're alive. Literally. Literally. Yeah. It's true. Huh. It's probably the big, like biggest thing you could buy like most important thing well i mean like a car like, would last i feel like it's one thing 
that is so ingrained in your identity. Yeah. You know, you could change your outfit. You know, like anybody can put on a fucking outfit that they feel like a million bucks in. That's the thing. And you, and you walk around feeling like a million bucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? You feel like a, like a superhero in your favorite jeans and your favorite shirt and you got your kicks on. They're all fucking <laughs> clean. Cleaned and out. And fresh yeah. white walls. You know what I mean? Like you're... <laughs> If you get a, you get a tattoo on your body, that's your, your that's your fucking fresh white walls for life. For life, that's a fresh yeah. pair of kicks on your forearm for everybody to see. Huh. Check out my motherfucking tattoo. Yeah, yeah, you literally. Know? Like that, it's 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 part of your ego. It's part of your physical appearance. It's uh, there's nothing else like it in the world in terms of a purchase that you make. Yeah, no, that you isn't. keep forever. Like, yeah. what else are you gonna compare it to? I can't think of anything. All right. Yeah, I mean, get a, you get a cool haircut, but it's gonna grow out in like exactly. two months. Yeah. Yeah. Statue's not growing out. Nope. I mean, if you use some wort remover, you might get rid of it. Yeah, maybe if we can get whatever the hell she was using. That's still Jeez. blowing my mind. What the hell? What do you think of the like uh, acceptance of tattoos? There's been a big shift there. Well, I wouldn't be where I am yeah. raising my family with it uh-huh. without. The mainstreaming of it, you know, like you, all, it's those, all those tattoo shows made yeah. made me a tattooer, right? Oh yeah. Um, would I have gotten where I'm at without them? I really don't think so. Hmm. You know what I mean? When I when I first started tattooing in Antigonish, there had never been a tattooer in town. That's not true. By the time I opened up my studio, somebody else had already been here for like a six months or a year or something. Damn. But they closed down shortly <laughs> after we opened. But until <laughs> until that point, when the, the fruition of our idea to open a tattoo shop in Antigonish, there had never been a tattooer here, a legitimate you know business front. Yeah, and you guys were set. And we opened we opened a, a like. business front on Main Street in Antigonish. The Chamber of Commerce and invited us to join. Like we were we were part of the Downtown Business Association. Like we were not only accepted by the community as tattooers, we were. We were a in, part of it. A part of it, enveloped, yeah. like in, in, involved, in, you know, invited to to be a part of the the inner fold, like any other business That's on cool. Main Street, which shocked the shit out of me, in all honesty. Yeah. And that has just carried on, like, you know, I have people coming to me looking for tattoos that you, you know, they're 40, 50, 60 years old, have never had a tattoo before. Wow. All of a sudden, feel like, hey, it's okay for me to do this. Yeah. Because. That's interesting. It is. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I again, I still think that there's that. Big divided line of people that accept it and sure. don't accept it. There, oh, are, for sure. there will there will always, always be naysayers. Be. For sure. Yes, but tattooers not just for hookers and sailors. Who knew? <laughs> that's right? that's the big shift, eh? Hey? Yeah. It's, it's okay said, for everyone. You know, like now. we can ridicule. I mean, as a tattooer watching the you know like the Ink Master and the, all those all those shows, like a lot of tattooers shun them. But without them, there wouldn't there wouldn't be the volume in our industry or in our craft that that we have now. You know, there's mm-hmm. I used to be the only tattooer in Antigonish. Now I'm one of three just in the block that I work yeah. on. You yeah, know, yeah. the two blocks that I work the startup. on. Startup. Yeah. Well, there's so many students. I mean, I feel like there's like a, a big demand here. Huge. In this small Huge. little town, we have five thousand new clients every semester. Yeah, yeah. that's just that, yeah. right? Or however many of. Yeah, students there are. Carefully, you might have some competition after people listen to this. Yeah, it's really <laughs> easy to be a tattooer. You should try it. No, don't. don't. What was the best advice I can give you if you want to be a tattooer? Don't. <laughs> That's terrible. Just, just go to a different. I don't. I don't mean that. Don't just don't do, do it, it here. Yeah, don't yeah. do it there. Like, or at least more than two blocks away. <laughs> at least no, go up I, to Hawthorne Street. I think. Street. I think yeah. eventually. I don't know how long it'll take, but I think eventually it will be. A profession that's recognized like any other blue collar profession around here. I feel like it'll be accepted. Oh, I'd say so. I feel like education will somehow. 
that's the thing, right? Like, how do you become a tattooer? Well, there's no, there's no one way. There's no right way to be a tattooer. There's a thousand ways to be yeah. a tattooer. There, there certainly is a right way. Let's be clear. There is a right way, mm-hmm. um, and it's not an easy way. But and it's not set in stone, and it's not available to everybody. It's something yeah. that you kind of have to fall into and, and make happen for yourself. Um, but like I said, there's a lot of bad tattooers out there making a living doing it. So yeah. you can you can go to eBay and buy a tattoo kit for fifty bucks. Yeah. And when it arrives tomorrow, you can start tattooing. Post on Facebook that you're a motherfucking tattooer. So true. I'm ready. Yeah. Come see me. Let's do some tattoos. Yeah. Anybody can do that. Now, is that the right way? Is that the accepted way? No. Can you get to where I am doing that? If you work hard enough, you probably can. Mm-hmm. Sadly. If you have enough people that are willing to get it's under true. the needle. If you fuck up enough people's tattoos, eventually you start to, you'll start doing them right. No? I'm cursing a lot. I'm really sorry. That's guys. okay. How do you practice? Can you, is there like a way to practice tattooing? Me? I practiced on myself. <laughs> yeah, I guess, eh? Yeah, well, you don't. I mean, a lot of new artists t- practice on like bananas and oranges. You could tattoo and stuff like that. fruit, sure. You could tattoo like a ham. You could tattoo. Yeah, yeah. You could tattoo pig parts, whatever. Yeah. You can buy fake skin and tattoo it, but how do you practice? You really you practice on a human being, whether it's yeah. you or some poor guy that loves you to death and will let you do it because he's <laughs> been your homie for years and years and wants to get a tattoo, so he doesn't care that you're gonna fuck him up. Yeah. You know. My that, first artist that useful. I went to. That's how he said he got started. He started when he was like 16. And he'd uh, tattoo the tops of his uh, thighs here. Yeah. His, like, shorts would cover I've, it. and I've tattooed the top of my thighs and my ankles. And, um, uh, I wouldn't recommend it. Well, I mean, I don't blame you. <laughs> but like... 50% of the tattooers that are making a living as a tattooer nowadays started yeah. by fucking up their own legs. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. yeah. Guaranteed. Well, that's what he said. And he had so many buddies that were just like, ah, yeah. I don't care, man. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, after tattooing myself for a while, the very first tattoo that I ever did was on my wife. My wife insisted that she be my first client. <laughs> and I sweated Buckets. Really? And, what kid I, was and I sweated buckets on every tattoo for like six months after that. Well, what was the first thing you tattooed? The or very first thing I tattooed on? on my wife was a cross with a pair of cherries hanging over it, I think, for some strange reason. I, I guess because she popped my cherry tattooing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Thankfully, I've done much better tattoos on her since, but uh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That is funny. Any more questions from the listening public? Uh, I've been kind of throwing them in here the whole, the whole kind of conversation. Like, I mean, there was there's some good ones. Yeah, we got that some client good one was that's a good that's a good question. Yeah. 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 Oh, here's one. Here, maybe this will be the last question of the sure of yeah. the day. Okay. Um, this comes in. Do you miss your wife? Do I miss her? Yeah. <laughs> is, that, <laughs> is that from her? It might be. <laughs> My wife is away. My wife, uh, yes, yes, I I slept without her last night. My wife is away on her annual girls weekend. She does a girls weekend um, every November with my aunts, my cousins, um, my stepmom is there this weekend. For those wondering, that's how we were able to book Sean in tonight. Yeah, this is why I got a night (laughs) off. Yeah, she's in, um, they go to, I want to say it's like Malagash. It's within walking distance of Yoast Vineyard, which is the purpose for the trip. Oh, I the ladies it. go for the weekend and they rent uh, two cottages side by side with a hot tub on oh, the deck nice. of each cottage and they pack uh, I think there's like 13 to 15 of them and they um, everybody brings like one meal so that you only have to worry about your one meal for the weekend yeah. and somebody else is feeding you for oh, the, the rest nice. of the weekend they do they go to the Yoast Vineyard they do a tour and a wine tasting and I stumble home where's Yoast Vineyard? 
I want to say close to Tatamagush. It's like maybe an hour and a half from here okay. uh, along the northern shore of yeah. Nova Scotia. Yeah. Um, yeah, so my wife is away and I do miss her dearly. <laughs> I love you, baby. I wouldn't be where I am without her, for sure. I love it. But <laughs> well, she'll be home tomorrow. No. She'll be home. Yeah, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Good. Yeah. Don't have to miss her for long. So I feel like I talked about a whole bunch of nonsense. But um, that's what a conversation was, is. Yeah, no, that was this, this has been great. Yeah. This has been great. It's pretty pretty organic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. What we're going a great for. conversation. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Just getting excuse to talk. Uh, we've been at it for about an hour and fifty-one minutes now. Nice. That's always what it ends, yeah. or when it hour starts to yeah. wind down. Yeah. So let me answer all my kids here real quick. <laughs> Should we cut her off here? Yeah. You know how, Sean? Thanks. Thanks so much. Hey guys, listen. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Part of my motivation to get into radio was to find a voice mm. and be able to do something with it. Yeah. Um, I make my living as a tattooer, but I'm worried about the longevity of my body. Mm. And I feel like finding a voice and learning how to use it with the yeah. radio and podcast and that sort of thing will I give me it. the opportunity. If something happens to my body, I can still work mm-hmm. and make a living with my voice. And have a positive um, influence on... Well, that too. Yeah. But really just raise my family. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah. A, Obviously, I want to have a positive influence. I try very hard every day to spread love. Um, some yeah. days I'm in a shitty mood, but um, part of my moving on from the effects of PTSD is is just living each day with love, mm-hmm. trying to give it to as many people, and obviously that comes back to you tenfold, right? Wow. So that's how I live, and um, I wanted to I wanted to um, find how, a way to use my voice in a way that that um, I can do something else. I'm not going to stay in radio forever. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes up a lot of time. Radio, I feel like, as much as I love it and love being part of it, is a dying medium. Mm. Podcasts are huge right now. Yeah. You guys have a great thing going here. I really enjoyed what I listened to so far. You guys are doing it the right way. <laughs> appreciate Organically. That. Yeah, thank like, you. Um, I think it's going to work for you. So, like, uh, I'm really, really happy to be kind of getting in on the ground floor here. Yeah. Gonna, well, yeah, if you ever want to come back, like, yeah, you chair, have to definitely listen, back. If any time, if you guys, yeah. if you guys feel like having me back, let me know. Um, if or I can, if, if, if I can facilitate, someone. you know, I, yeah. I, I'm blessed to know a lot of really interesting people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, musicians, artists, uh, people that make beer. Um, <laughs> if I can introduce you guys to some people or be in in any way a part of what you guys have going on here, I'd absolutely love to. Yeah, we'd love it. Um, That'd be great. I know yeah. a lot of the little hacks for Anaganish. Like I, I, uh, I know a lot of little spots that like the choice spot to go for yeah. this or that. Yeah, beautiful. And, uh, I'd be happy to pass that along to your listening audience. Well, we can't and, uh, we can't share the secrets. <laughs> you gotta be it's careful true because then <laughs> you'll be ruined. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll have to have you on again though. We'll have, uh, maybe we'll do like a themed one. Yeah, on the next one, cool. we'll, uh, yeah. we'll plan for it and get some more questions. And Sounds good. Do it up. Yeah, well, this was awesome. Thanks, yeah. guys. Well, Thank thanks you. again, Sean, and uh, we'll hear from you guys next time. Yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs> See ya.